Okay, I'll call the roll. Roman Porter. Bill Camp. Oh, boy. Cyril Shaw. Here. Steve Hansen. Here. Bill Motmans. Here. Bernard Bowler. Here. Sandra Fry Lucas. Here. Michelle Rubalcaba. Here. Steve Maviglio. Here. Miranda Perry. Here. Phil Pluckabom. Here. Maya Wallace. Here. Nadia Leal Carrillo. And then our chair, Joe, or Julius Cherry. I'm here. Okay, we do have a quorum. With three absent. Uh, okay. Um, under the um, comments of the chair, I want to um, remind the audience as well as the um, committee that next week, Tuesday, the 14th? Yes, it's the mm-hmm. 14th. Uh, we, we are required to report out to council on um, our product progress and activities. Um, I'm planning to do that. Um, you're all invited, obviously, to come, uh, make whatever comments you want. I, I plan only to do an oral report. I don't plan to do any kind of a staff report or that kind of thing. I basically plan to let them know, you know, what we've done thus far, where we are. Obviously, um, whatever discussions uh, that we have tonight will be included in that report. Um, I'm not sure. Shirley, do you know where we are on the agenda on the council? That hasn't been created yet, but we can certainly make accommodations so that it works for the group. Right. So the the agenda for next Tuesday council meeting hasn't been created, but um, Shirley is obviously aware that we're going to be on there and need to be on the agenda. It was required by council's direction that we report back halfway through, so that's what we're going to do. So, uh, again, you're all invited to show up um, and put any add any input to or or cue me into something you think I missed. Um, I'll simply try to report on exactly what we've done and. Uh, also, <clears throat> I don't know if now is the appropriate time to do that, but we're going to ask um, our attorney, Matt, to give us a refresher. And maybe we'll do this when we do. Uh, we're going to do a piece on kind of generally going over the rules uh, before we do our staff reports. So maybe we'll just have Matt do it at that time. Let's we'll have a quick refresher on the Brown Act. As part of item four, then? Yes. Okay. We'll just add it. Uh, no, is it item four? The recap or? of lessons. Yes, okay. yes, we'll get, we'll get to it there. Okay. Um, if so, if, what, anything else? We but shall. We'll move on for item one. Okay, item one then is the approval of the May 23rd minutes. Second. Minutes have been moved to second. Any comments regarding the minutes? Um, get a vote. All, all uh, for it say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Abstentions? Ayes have it. And then the second item is the confirmation of the committee vice chair. An intent motion was made last week, and this is to confirm that motion. So actually, I don't believe we need, do we need another motion, or do we simply, um, am I asked the body to confirm? We last need to intent? vote on this so that it confirms it through the okay. agenda so, item. So can we get a motion to confirm our? Um, I'll move to confirm the vice chair, Michelle Rubalcava. Okay. It's been moved and seconded to confirm Michelle Rubel our vice chair. Uh, please signify by saying aye if you approve. Aye. aye. Any abstentions or nays? Thank you. You are the vice chair. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> A bloodless coup, yes, that's correct. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, item three. Okay, we're on to staff presentations. This is the re weekly report out of the redistricting activities. <laughs> uh, good evening. Uh, this evening I have more of a voice than Maria, so I'll be presenting. <laughs> Who knows about next week? This is a routine. You, write, you guys realize that. <laughs> back and forth. Uh, I have two items to talk about, one of which is the articles that were in the media on redistricting. Uh, on May 24th, there was an article in the B uh, called Sacramento's Council Districts May Be In for a Major Change. And then later that week, uh, in an editorial of May 28th, Downtown Sacramento Deserves to Be a Single District. Um, also in the B on June 3rd, there was an article on Yolo County redistricting efforts draw a crowd in winters, saying that for the most part, uh, attendance in Yolo County for the Board of Supervisors was a ho-hum affair until they began looking at putting Davis in the same district as winners. Um, then on June 6th, uh, that was uh, just today, there was um, an article announcing that the first batch of legislative district maps uh, at, the, at the state level are due for release uh, by the uh, California Citizens Redistricting Commission next Friday with the final versions due on August 15th. The second item uh, deals with Asian outreach. You may notice that uh, we have had very little uh, direct involvement from the Asian community. So um, our neighborhood services folks have been beating the bushes, sending out emails uh, to the various Asian chambers, the Asian Community Center, um, the um, API Capital Group and a number of personal contacts, and it's our hope that we can uh, soon engage the Asian community. And that concludes my brief remarks. Thank you. Any comments from members? Commissioner Hanson. Scott, I just want to point out there was an editorial in the News and Review on May 12th as well pertaining to redistricting. Is that May 12th? May 12th. Okay. Other comments? Uh, the clerk's letter was also published in Inside the City, correcting the article that we saw. That's a good thing. Okay, item four. No, excuse me, do we have speakers on this item? We do not. Okay. Item four is the recap of lessons from the Primers redistricting trivia. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first on the Brown Act issues? It's completely up to... We'll have, we'll have you go first, Matt. And so, what's the question? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The question is, briefly, if you could just give us a quick overview of the Brown Act issues, specifically um, a little bit on the, the question of what is a serial meeting. Um, we are probably, well, I assume we're going to start our deliberations uh, in earnest tonight. I mean, basically the maps are in. Uh, most of our preliminary work and trainings to make this decision or to make this recommendation has been done. And we're now starting to get, you know, I, I, I'm aware that uh, committee member Shaw has had a request from some, uh, I believe it was a, um, a uh, neighborhood association meeting person saying don't split up our neighborhood and those kinds of calls and things are coming in. So committee members, I'm sure, will be, you know, contacted, approached, et cetera. Um, and I want to make sure that we're all up to speed on, on the Brown Act. And I at least had one committee member ask the question about uh, the serial meeting issue. 
Maybe we could be a little more clear on it. Okay. Um, I'll do this as succinctly and, and high level as possible. As we talked about some time ago now, this body is subject to the provisions of the Brown Act, not just in the way it was created, but also explicitly as stated in the resolution um, approved by council. So that means essentially all the meetings of this body um, as a group need to be held openly and publicly. So there are a couple ways that the Brown Act open meeting um, requirements could be violated. One way is if with this 15-member body, eight of you got together at Denny's and had breakfast to talk about tonight's meeting and what was going to be discussed and et cetera. And Matt, not, not to interrupt, but you recall there's 14 members now. Yes, I, that I know. Okay. Although originally it was 15. Okay. As stated in the resolution, the resolution provides that a quorum of this body is eight. So that's one way. That's a simple way. But I'm hearing from the chair the question is really more along the lines of serial meetings, especially in this day and age when there's so much ease with technology to communicate with others. It is also a violation of the Brown Act to have a serial meeting. And that would happen if a majority of this group, eight, and let's use seven as a better number just for ease of purpose here, but it's really eight pursuant to the resolution, got together in a way in a series, a chain of communications between members about redistricting. If one member sent an email to another member and said, I really like map two, don't you think that's the best map? And then that member sent an email to two more members and said, you know, I, I kind of like map two. Do you like map two? I like map three also. Now you've got four people involved in the communication. If that starts to spread out to a quorum of these members through emails, phone calls, personal visits, or whatever method being used to have a discussion about redistricting, and it ends up that at the end of the day, there's a quorum of this body that has communicated outside of these chambers about redistricting, that would be a violation of the Brown Act. Um, you mentioned that Mr. Shaw had, had been at a community meeting in which he was at a community meeting and someone asked him a question and he if he gives a response there is absolutely nothing wrong with that and each of you could go separately to meetings and talk about redistricting and there's nothing wrong with that um, all of you individually could do that at different places not at the same place you couldn't meet at the same place to meet with one community group to talk about it without it having been agendized and posted but you can do that the danger is only if Mr. Shaw then goes and talks to other committee members or persons who are acting as the committee member's representative or proxy. So it could also potentially happen that if you, I don't know, let's say each of you has a significant other that you're taking with you to all these meetings and then you have that person talk to the other um, members of the committee and a quorum is reached then it, could be, a it would, could be a potential violation of the Brown Act. So that's a serial meeting. It doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen all at one location. But it happens in a series of communications that ultimately a quorum of the members here discuss the matter of redistricting uh, outside this publicly noticed meeting. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell, but I can answer questions about specific um, scenarios if you want. Two questions. One, 
when we meet uh, next week to brief council, and let's assume all or certainly a majority of the committee members come to that meeting, because it's agendized and we're going to talk about it, does that mean there's not a potential Brown Act issue? If you, all of the members or a quorum of this body can attend a noticed meeting of another public body, so all of you could show up to next week's city council meeting and sit here in chambers, that is not a problem. Now, you can't, if you, but if you go outside in the hallway, in the hallway before or after and, and talk about, talking quorum about the you, maps, that's a problem. But being here in the chambers is not a problem. What if all of us, God forbid, came up to the, the podium to testify um, before the council about a map or a series of maps? You can, you can, come, and, you can come and talk. Pardon? You can come and talk. Because it's, it's a notice it's a meeting, notice and meeting it's on of another issue of body. redistricting, even though it's not our committee meeting. That's correct. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, the, the obvious, which I'm sure, obviously I think I know the answer, but I'll say it out loud anyway. This can be completely unintended. It doesn't have anything to do with whether we intend for this serial meeting, because I can see how if I talk to a member, Lucas Fry, or Fry Lucas, and about something, you know, we'll go out in the hallway and she talks to Member Pleckerbaum, who talks to my member Mottmans, it, it could happen without ever intending for it to happen. That's and, right. And the intention is not part of the law. It's it, it, obviously the first. You don't have to intend to violate it. No. You just have to violate it. It can happen unint unintentionally. If you all are discussing something within the purview of um, this body's charge. In real life, how do these things happen? I mean, is there, are there, exam are there, is there like some paradigm case out there that says, oh, this is how this happened. There was a series of emails or a chain of texts or whatever. You know, we caught someone, and here's what they did, either intentionally or unintentionally. There is no such case like that. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't point to you um, a place where you can find that. But the concept of a serial meeting. How does it, it come up, I guess, is what? Uh, well, for a large body, it typically doesn't become much of an issue because of the logistics of the communications are, are, are typically um, in such a way that when people are meeting, quote, behind closed doors, it would take a lot of meetings to get to, for example, eight members. Um, smaller bo it typically happens with a smaller body because it's easier to get three out of five to discuss an object, uh, a subject within their, within their jurisdiction. So it, it typically happens in smaller bodies. But... My, my personal observation of the, let's say, the worries that people like myself have and attorneys have for potential violations is the ease with which emails, uh, voicemails, etc., can be accidentally, uh, accidentally, potentially uh, used in such a way that it results in a potential violation of the Brown Act because an email is sent to one and then there's a forward or reply. So it's that, that's the real danger zone is the use of these email communications when you think you're just talking to two or three people, but that gets, that gets shared with two or three people and as they used to say and so on and so on. Um, so that's, uh, to me, that's how it typically comes up is these electronic communications. So when we get an email from the clerk's office no. about a particular issue on the agenda or whatever the case might be, and we hit, and I respond in some way, innocently, just, you know, oh, I think we should do this, this, or this, and I hit reply to all, 
that email's gone probably to every member of the committee. Depending on what the substance of the email is, it's really not, it probably won't be an issue because the discussion of administrative matters such as um, how many items are going to be on the agenda, question mark, and, there's a, and it's a reply all is not a, is not a problem okay. for administrative matters. Okay. All right. Because we don't, you know, we're not professional meeting people. We don't do this all the time. We're, we're like, yeah. we got about five more weeks on this gig and we're right. out of here. So I want to make sure we don't. We don't uh, violate it. Okay. Any any other questions by by committee members? I see um, Commissioner Bowler. Now, just let, let me make sure I'm clear. If I talk with one other person or two other people, and that's that's now three, and then I go talk to someone other than that group, I don't know how many people they've talked with. So, because to me, I'm just going to one. So am I, is it incumbent on me to see if they've discussed this with others and how many on the same item? How do I operate with that? Well, in addition to the going from one to the other down the line, there's another concept of the serial meeting, which is um, colloquially called the hub and spoke. You would be, in this case, the hub, the hub, and you'd be sending out spokes to all these individual members and but through that methodology, there's this communication potentially with the quorum. The answer to your question is how do you know is, well, you'd, you'd be judicious to find out that you don't discuss a matter with someone if you believe there's a potential that your discussion at that point leads to a violation of the Brown Act. So if you've had a pre-meeting or you've had a meeting with one or two and you've had two or three people discuss a similar topic and you were to reach out to another person, um, to talk about it, it would be, it, it, that's where it gets a little bit dangerous because you could potentially be creating yourself as the hub and, and sending out spokes to others. It's, I'm not saying you can't do it, but that is the issue of discovering whether or not this is something that is going to stop at that next person because you can't, you, know, you can't control what the next person does because now if they go out and speak with three or four people, that's where the potential violation goes. That's part of the problem of having these multi-member discussions is you can only control what's in your realm, and you can't control what the next person down the line does with the information that you've discussed with them, and that's where the potential violation comes up. It did, you didn't intend to start this chain, but the next person down the line keeps perpetuating it. And so it's, it's important that you understand, if you're going to have these conversations, that um, if you can, discover whether or not this has been discussed with anyone else in a, an appropriate way. And, and if the question is, hey, before I talk about this, I want to make sure that you haven't talked to anyone else to ensure we don't create a problem, that might be a, a wise thing to do. So, so two basic concepts, the serial meeting and, the, and this hub and spoke. Which is, this, which is a, 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 a version of the serial meeting, mm -hmm. probably. Any other questions by committee members? Scott, I think you're on. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. All right. Um, this is going to be a quiz. Uh, hopefully you've all done this already because I'm going to go through the answers fairly quickly, and hopefully our audience plays along with us as well. And by the way, there are no questions on the Brown Act. Uh, wow. Questions have disappeared. Okay, first question is, what is the 2010 census population for the city of Sacramento? Hopefully you all know the answer is, there we go, there you go. It's the 466, 488. 
What is the target average population for this redistricting effort? You've sometimes heard me refer to uh, the process of 58-311-ing. So that is the answer. Council districts were first established in, and the answer is, 1970. It was back in the 1921 charter where there were council members elected, but uh, in districts beginning in 1970. All right. The following, this is just sort of a background slide. This is not a question. But if you remember nothing else, remember this slide. These are the criteria that are listed in the charter, beginning with equal population, which, by the way, is the most important, uh, topography, geography, cohesiveness, continuity, contiguity, integrity, and compactness, communities of interest, and neighborhood and community boundaries. So here's the question. Which of the following is the most important according to the city charter? And if you didn't hear me say equal population, then you missed that free, free clue. Communities of interest are at least partially defined by anecdotal information. Of course. I, somebody told me that. Um, next item is this diagram runs counter to which of the following uh, redistricting criteria? And the answer is contiguity. Little Saigon could be an example of which redistricting criteria. If you answered C, you got it right, community of interest. The city charter absolutely precludes the division of neighborhoods in the redistricting process. That's right. It's false. All right. The following is not an other commonly used redistricting criteria. So this is the only one. I know you'll know it when you see it. Well, that was the one. That was the one that was not. All right. The 1970 Charter Amendment included eight council districts elected by district and a mayor elected at large. Same question as before. Just want to make sure that you get it. The answer is true. What year did a council member lose his or her seat due to redistricting? The answer is it was 1991. That was Lynn Roby. Yeah, I was just going to say for the bonus round, who was the council oh, member? There you go. Okay. <laughs> Who's, whose husband is a third district court appeals judge? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, all right. Which of the following is the most compact? And uh, this question, uh, Maria is going to talk a little bit more about this. The answer is, it's B. Which group is the largest ethnic or racial minority in Sacramento based on this last census? The answer is Hispanic. All right, this is the first example of what in the United States? Um, there's only one that makes any sense. I hope you all got it right. This graphic is an example of, and the answer is, it's packing. You notice how um, all of the blue were put into one area, diluting the minority uh, populations in the other districts. Second to the last question, who or what is the jingles factor? Did I really have to tell you that? It's D. All right, and, and the bonus question. And this is one that only, I think, the lawyers will actually get. So I'm just going to find out, choose a lawyer at, 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 at random. All right, Matt. 
Uh, what's the answer? <laughs> okay. All right, Steve, you want to take a, a guess at this one? Putting you on the spot. Well, we'll find out if you're going to pass the bar. This is, this is the litmus test. <laughs> All right, well, then I'll give you the answer so, so I don't embarrass you. The answer is D, um, which is what you picked, of course. Uh, the first three were all legal requirements out of the Jingles versus Thornburg decision. Uh, so D is not a Jingles factor, but it is a uh, – uh, you do require finding D to make a Voting Rights Act Section 2 violation. So um, thanks for playing along, and who wants to be a redistrictor? Um, if you got all of them correct, congratulations. You're either totally paying attention – really bright, or you cheated. And if you scored less than 15 correct, then you're easily tricked, or you need to review the primers. That's that. Uh, any questions on that? Moving on. Oh, that was that. Okay, so that, that's the end of item four. Moving right along. I keep worried about the speakers. After. This is for the next one. For item five. Yes. Okay. Item five is the report back the linguistic data for Asian community. Okay. At the redistricting committee meeting of May 16th, um, member camp requested additional information regarding the characteristics of segments of the Asian population. So at issue is can staff provide linguistic data for the Asian population? Language is the way in which people conduct political discourse and business. Does it make sense to try to draw council districts to keep segments of the Asian population whole in order to foster civic engagement? And does staff believe that segments of the Asian population constitute a community of interest? The city has received 2010 census data that provides information on the composition of Asian populations at the citywide level. And the chart on page two uh, of your staff report shows that data, essentially showing it um, that there is no one single uh, culture and language group uh, that is dominant. There, it's actually uh, segmented among a number of different cultures. The city has not yet received the 2010 census data that breaks down the Asian population at the census block level. We don't expect to have that data until later this summer. The County uh, Office of Voter Registration and Elections has analyzed the 2009 American Community Survey data, which provides linguistic uh, information at the countywide level, which doesn't do us a whole lot of good here. Um, Available information regarding the Asian population for Sacramento County and the city does not provide locations of specific Asian groups within the city. The Asian community speaks very diverse languages and is from diverse countries of origin. Therefore, it is difficult to identify a pan-Asian community of interest that meets the test of a contiguous population which shares common social and economic interests. However, it may be possible through public testimony to identify linguistic and cultural segments within the Asian population 
as communities of interest. That concludes my presentation, as, uh, if you have any questions or speakers. We do have a speaker. Do we have before the speaker? Do we have questions for committee members? Yes, Member Shaw. Um, thank you. Just actually, I just have a few um, a few comments, mm -hmm. and, and nothing to you said specifically, Scott. But I think that there's in, inherently in the staff report there. You may read if you read into it a certain way. At least I did in first glance um, some assumptions that I, I just want to, um, at least from my standpoint, make clear. Um, one is that. While it is true that there may be different Asian populations that speak different languages, um, I, I don't think that, that one's native language, however many generations removed they are from it, necessarily um, pigeonholes them into that community. Um, I would, a lot of times, often uh, members of uh, in the city of Sacramento and, and elsewhere, um, Although you may be ethnic, Chinese, Japanese, um, your first language was English. You know, you're born, born and raised here. Um, another is that um, even if there are communities that speak different languages that are from whose, whose um, forefathers are from uh, different countries, um, I, would, I would also say that even if there is a different language, there could be a lot um, in common, and I'll leave it up to the community to decide geographically where that may be in the city. But um, th there's a, a lot of commonality, being closer to the immigrant experience, um, having similar cultural values um, inherent in their um, um, ethnicity with another ethnicity, but um, from the, the continent of Asia. So. Um, I hope that language doesn't prohibit, and once again, I'll let the community decide geographically how to do it, but I hope that different languages don't necessarily prohibit a community of interest from being defined among the Asian community. Thank you. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think the point is that the census data itself does not lead you to, to a conclusion that there is, and rather it's going to depend on data beyond the census coming directly from the community. Okay, with that, we have a speaker, um, May Lee. Uh, and so far, this is the only speaker we have for item five, correct? Right. Come on down. Good evening, members of the uh, City Redistricting uh, Citizens Advisory Committee. And you're absolutely right, um, Mr. Cherry. I happen to be, um, I'm May Lee, and I'm representing a member of CAPITAL, the Coalition of Asian Pacific Islanders Together for Leadership and Advocacy. So this is a 95-plus membership organization in Sacramento, comprised of community organizations and associations, public agencies, and alliances with education, legal entities, health and public officials. So um, I'm your lone person representing the whole of the API communities. I do have uh, a colleague back there, uh, Hach Yasumura. He's uh, a retired county. Um, he used to be the Asian liaison uh, for uh, the county of uh, Sacramento. So, uh, so we're out here today. Um, this vast network, CAPITO, uh, represents the voice and the needs of, and issues in our ever-changing, um, diverse community. 
Um, also, through capital, uh, I represent a statewide redistricting effort, and I've been part of that coalition of Asian Pacific uh, American for Fair Redistricting. Um, and they uh, were, we did presentations of our communities of interest to the to the state commission. So. Um, Asian Resources, being a member of Capital, is a community-based organization in Sacramento, and we've been providing a wide spectrum of social services to our low-income and limited English-speaking populations and residents in Sacramento. Uh, ARI has uh, three offices, two are within the city of Sacramento. Our primary office site is on Stockton Boulevard in South Sacramento. And uh, the second office is in the Broadway uh, corridor, which serves the downtown area. And that services uh, our families where our traditional um, Asian Pacific Islander groups like the Chinese, Japanese, and Filipino immigrants first settled uh, way back here uh, then uh, during the gold rush days they helped build the railroads and, and provide the general farm labor in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Uh, now our 2010 census data reflects that our API population has grown beyond the downtown central corridor and, and uh, many of our residents and community are throughout Sacramento in the Natomas area, North Highlands, and especially in our Greenhaven pocket, South Sacramento area. In our South Sacramento um, office where ARI is, there is a very large Southeast Asian population that's ethnically diverse and made up of uh, both recent immigrants and now into our second, third, and fourth generation um, communities. And in the South Sacramento um, area, you will notice that um, uh, if you are familiar with the school district, um, Elder Creek Elementary School, which is off of Power Inn and uh, Elder Creek, there's a Chinese immersion program going on in there, so that's a pocket. And Luther Burbank um, High School, which is on uh, Florin and uh, near Franklin Florin, 40% uh, of their makeup of their um, uh, students are from our Hmong population. Um, the Yu, Min, and Hmong communities, these are our tribal groups uh, from the highlands of Laos, uh, are now home to over 5,000 residents in the Yu, Min community, and uh, over 10,000 uh, uh, of them are residents uh, from the Hmong community. And also, um, these Southeast Asian populations we serve face a number of barriers, but they have shared policy needs, and that's tied to their high rates of limited English proficiency, high rates of being foreign-born, and their lower levels of income. So uh, ARI has been providing a, a lot of community services in this area, as well as other um, community groups that uh, make up uh, capital members. The Stockton Boulevard Corridor is home to many uh, Southeast Asian restaurants and retailers, and uh, that has been established uh, over the past three decades. And this area was designated Little Saigon by the city of Sacramento, and uh, that pays tribute to our many Vietnamese refugees who resettled into the area after the fall of the Saigon in the late 1970s. The city's uh, designation uh, is Stockton Boulevard from Fruit Ridge to Florence. So you can see, notice that the city council has designated 
that area as really a community of interest. Maybe how, how much yeah. time? How much time do you need? Um, I'm finishing up. Okay. And then I said in the early 2011, a group of local Southeast Asian business owners founded the Greater Sacramento Vietnamese Chamber of Commerce to provide, you know, build capacity. And as our Asian and Southeast Asian families, along with our Pacific Islander and Filipino communities, grow uh, and accumulate our resources, these client populations are captured by the census data. And um, therefore, they reflect the diverse demographics of our city of Sacramento. So from Natomas, North Island, Central City, to Greenhaven, Pocket, uh, South Sacramento. Thank you for considering our communities of interest and input. No, don't run away. I'm sure there are probably some okay. questions for you, questions by committee members. I have one. Which of committee members have um, Budget buzzed up. It sounds, and I, li I live in the Greenhaven Pocket area, yes. large um, Asian population <laughs> right in my neighborhood, let alone in the community. It sounds like that, like a, another group that we discussed earlier, that the Asian population is pretty spread out in Sacramento. Yes. It's almost, uh, as much as it, during my career, I recall downtown Southside Park, mm -hmm. Land Park, particularly a large number of Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, Japanese immigrants that um, Asian population is spread throughout Sacramento. I don't, yes, I don't exactly. know that we, I think of one neighborhood, I mean, we call uh, affectionately, I guess, the building down here on 5th and J Street, Chinatown. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you think of Chinatown like in a San Francisco or somewhere, it, it pales in comparison. Um, but I, I don't know that we have one neighborhood that you could say this is, this is the Asian neighborhood in Sacramento because they're integrated throughout the community. I, I agree, and that wasn't uh, what my presentation. I, it, it's true what was noted that our, our communities are very, very diverse, but I think it's um, especially in where there are pockets, uh, it is governed by um, our shared policy needs, and, and that's especially where um, the Stockton Boulevard corridor is. I'm, I'm very much aware and complimentary of Capital's work. Mm -hmm. I was around when the city council, I remember the night that um, Little Saigon was designated right. Little Saigon and recognized by the city council. And mm -hmm. I remember the uh, euphoria and, and just how people had worked really to, to get that recognition. Mm -hmm. And I remember it uh, very, very pointedly. Um, uh, Member Hanson. Thank you for being here, Ms. Lee. Uh, we had a staff uh, presentation a few weeks ago regarding the census data and where um, the Asian community, where people who were identified on the census form as Asian lived. And it was throughout the city, but there were some concentrations. And mm -hmm. as we move forward with our work, is there any particular um, areas beyond the pocket in Greenhaven that you mentioned here that you believe should be kept well, I think what I said was the South, when I designate South Sacramento as the Stockton Boulevard Corridor. Okay. Yeah. And because of the county and the city line, some of that can be hard, right. but um, are there particular concentrations that we should uh, specifically focus on? Some of the data showed places where 40% or more identified as API. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if you've had a chance to see that data, but um, if you haven't, maybe we can get it to you and... Uh, continue to solicit feedback from the community? No, I have access to this. Okay. 
Well, I, very, I and I'm sure the committee very much appreciate you coming, May. Um, uh -huh. um, and we are encouraging and have been doing outreach to the Asian community to um, get even more involvement and more interest in the redistricting process. So thank you again. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, they designated me. They said I can represent capital. <laughs> well, because you could. And you did well. Any other speakers on item five? No. Okay. Item six. This is the summary matrix for redistricting plans. As you guys could hear, I'm uh, choking a bit here. <laughs> this is what you get for letting Scott whisper in your ear two weeks ago. But um, <laughs> I'll try my best to uh, keep my voice for this presentation. If not, then Carlos is going to step in and just uh, finish up. <clears throat> so um, tonight, I'm, my name is Maria McGonigal, and I'm here to present to you the uh, summary matrix for the redistricting plans. And I'm going to share this part of this presentation with Scott Mindy. Um, he's going to um, come up and uh, give you a little bit more of a qualitative analysis. I'm going to focus primarily on the matrix itself. And um, so um, in uh, just a little bit of background, in uh, January 2011, City Council approved a participatory process that included the community outreach, education, and the development of tools to engage the community in the redistricting process. May 16th was the deadline for those plans to be submitted to the uh, city. There were 37 plans received, and um, they are available, all of them, on the redistricting website at cityofsacramento.org redistricting. At the May 23rd meeting of this body, um, there were um, uh, those 37 plans were reduced to 29. Seven of them were reduced because they had uh, significant deviations in uh, their, um, <clears throat> from the uh, target mean population. And uh, those that were uh, reduced were 5, 10, 20, 23, 26, 36, 37, and 33 because it was replaced by a supplemental plan. At the direction of this committee, at that meeting, staff has uh, developed a matrix with the following key criteria. To assist in evaluating the remaining 29 plans, Included in the matrix are the following elements. The plan number, which is a sequential number that was assigned to uniquely identify each plan. And the overall range um, deviation as a percent. This, is, uh, this measures the overall range and deviation from the target mean. Continuity and integrity. This measures the connectedness of districts. And I'm going to go over each one of these items in more detail so that they're clear. Um, compactness of territory, which measures the geographic compactness. Population stability, which is expressed as a percent of the population that does not ch change districts. Existing neighborhoods, or the number of neighborhoods that are split by the plan. Um, and then uh, the communities of interest, and this indicates if a community of interest that was identified through the public testimony to the committee is um, kept intact by, um, by the districts. So I'm going to go through each one of these now. 
The overall range in deviation <coughs> represents the spread from the lowest to the highest amount of variation from the target population of 58,311 as a percent. For example, in this plan, which is um, plan number 24 um, that's on your display now, the overall range in deviation is 10.83%, the highest of all the 29 plans that are in the matrix right now. And this represents uh, a negative 5.44% under the target mean in District 1 and 5.40% over the target mean in District 8. So the overall range in deviation is that total range from the highest to the lowest of each one of the districts. And then the remaining districts for the plant fall in between those. So the next item on the matrix is uh, continuity and integrity. And this me measures connectedness. And, uh, for example, the excerpts from the two plans um, illustrated before you, are there are two types of non-connected areas. Um, on the left is the Valley View Acres area is discontiguous with um, District 1, which is probably intentional. And then, um, and then what appears to be an error in a block selection on the right. And in the cases where um, it appeared to be an error, we noted that on the matrix so that you can see that. The next item is compactness of territory. Compactness, there are many compactness measures, like really way too many. <laughs> and uh, there are mathematical measurements for how, um, you know, um, tight a, um, a specific district or area is. We used a, a method called a Palsby-Popper method, and um, that compares the district shape to a circle. And um, in the matrix, we've included the range ranges per um, the plan. So each individual district in a plan has a value, and then we included the range so that you could see the high and the low. Um, we have that as supplemental information if you want to have it at the detailed um, individual district level too. But um, it's a lot of information <laughs> and uh, abstract uh, numbers. But um, in this plan that is um, displayed before you, which is plan number 19, it illustrates a relatively um, low score due to the long linear districts and with irregular boundaries. So you can see in your matrix that it has a range of 0.17 to 0.28. So just a question. Mm -hmm. So is, is the one, a score of one, is that perfectly compact? Yes, I'm sorry, I missed making that statement. So yes, a circle is gets a value of one. Anything further away from one fraction of that is uh, less compact. So a line. Yeah. Thank you. I think Michelle has a question. Okay. Just to clarify what we're reading here, so none of the maps that we have come even none of them come up to even fifty half. Right. Point five zero. The closest I think we get is point three. I, saw that I think somewhere. there's the one that's higher. I don't have that. Uh, Do I have saw that? number two. Okay. Actually, here, here's the guy who did all the labor. <laughs> so so the, uh, the test actually runs uh, the calculations on each district. So the range essentially is um, one of those districts has, like for, for instance, SR001, 
and then I see the clarification. The highest, okay. Right. So, for instance, um, map number three, it gets up to 0.52. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Question? Yes. I think you might have answered that Michelle asked, so I just want to make sure. So the each one of the districts are measured for compactness, and the range is for the district with the lowest and then the one to the highest with the district with the highest. Yes. Okay. And, and the others obviously are in between. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have, for each, any of the plans, if you're interested in knowing, you know, any of the details for individual districts in a plan, we have that information. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> so we can provide that at any time that it's relevant. Okay. Okay, the next uh, uh, item on the matrix is called population stability. And it's expressed as a percent of the population that does not change districts. So if I live in a district, um, and uh, currently District 4 or 2, and um, I remain in that district in the plan that we're evaluating, then I'm going to be part of that population stability or stable population that stays in the same district that I started out in. So that's what this is trying to express. So higher percentages indicate more of the, popula more of the population stays in the district that they started at. Um, in this example, this is plan uh, 24, the population stability um, is 66% overall. Um, but as you can see in this image where we've zoomed in, there are areas that would have significant wholesale change. So in this particular example, District 4 would have a population stability of zero, where other districts in that plan may have, you know, very stable populations. So... Um, Again, we have the numbers behind the scene for each of the individual districts if it, when we get into, you know, a smaller subset of the plans it might be relevant. So, so that example was 24, right? Yeah. That's so you're saying citywide, or, or not citywide, but plan-wide. District-wide, 66.9% of the people stay where they are. Yes. But if you look at one compare, and obviously with one, with the problem we have with one being 50% of its population, has to move, that's going to be high for that particular map, no matter what, no matter how it's divided. Right. <clears throat> okay. So next element is um, existing neighborhoods and the number that are split. So um, these existing neighborhoods, as they're defined by neighborhood services, provided in the and those, those that were provided in the application tool were used as a basis for this analysis. Uh, these boundaries are illustrated in the map displayed on the left and can be downloaded from the website and was distributed earlier in uh, maps. Um, there are approximately 120 neighborhoods defined by the Neighborhood Services Department in this um, way. Um, note that this measure doesn't uh, differentiate between neighborhoods that have a strong identity and, and some neighborhoods that do not or were established as a subdivision process or something like that. Um, we've listed the top ten neighborhoods that were split and the total number of plans that split them. And uh, please note that uh, this indicates splits in the Meadowview area um, where the Delta Shores boundary was included. So we just took that neighborhood boundary map and overlaid it with the plan map and said how many were split. Later on, when, you, when um, Scott comes up and presents, he's going to give you a little bit more qualitative 
analysis and discussion on that, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So this is just total number. So in the image on the right, the, um, that's plan number one, and it illustrates a split in Parkway, Valley High Laguna, and Meadowview neighborhoods. So all three of them are being split in that particular map. Um, the average number of splits among all the plans is nine, and the existing council district plan that's in place right now splits 10 neighborhoods. So just to give you kind of a framework of understanding. And like I said, Scott's going to talk more about neighborhoods and some of the themes and patterns in um, the way that they get divided among the plans. So on the population stability to neighborhood split, it seems like to keep stable population, you have to split neighborhoods. To not split neighborhoods, you have to disturb population stability. So those two factors may compete with one another on this chart. Is that right? I, I, would, I, I don't know that to be a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me necessarily. So I'd have to look at the information. So if the existing council map divides 10, to be stable with the existing council map, you'd have to probably divide those similar neighborhoods to achieve 100%, which isn't possible because you have to move people. But Right. That's my only point. I think so just the point that some of these do compete with each other depending on how we weight them. Yeah, some of the and, – and the criteria as you go through them, you will be somewhat competing, I think, at times. You will have to, you know, choose the hard, the hard part. <laughs> okay. So um, this section of the matrix includes the, a yes or no if a community of interest area identified through testimony – um, to the committee is kept intact by a plan. Um, this list is not intended to be all-inclusive, but rather an indicator for areas that have been expressly presented to the committee with sp with, that have spe specific geographic extent. So um, the, um, about, about the, items, the, the areas that we focused in on for this matrix are Valley View Acres or North, with North Natomas, defined by public testimony from Valley View Acres Neighborhood Association, the Latino North and South areas, defined by Plan Submission 20 and public testimony. The Central City, defined by pl Community Plan Area and public testimony from the LGBT Community Downtown Partnership in the River District. And Meadowview, Del Paso Heights, and Oak Park, defined by the neighborhood boundaries, it, but it is excluded um, Delta Shores in this case. Um, and by testimony from the African American Leadership Coalition as um, as traditional African-American communities in Sacramento. Point of clarification. Can we go back to that yes. slide for just a second? Um, did um, Latino North and South has, have different map numbers? Were they the same? They were both mapped? They, they were both presented um, by... Uh, I, I think I rem recall when we pulled them out that one was 20 one was 23. I think that maybe 20, and now I don't remember, might have had both of them. Uh-huh. I don't remember now. If yeah, it was like 20 one. had uh, plan, plan plan number 20, um, ha and that's what's on the display right now, had oh, both the right. north and the south. But in order to make the um, matrix make any sense, um, we had to split those out because if we had both of them on the same, you know, um, variable, it would always be, yes, they were split, <laughs> basically. And also, even when we did that, when we, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but in the, even when we did separate them out for analysis purposes, 
Um, they were split by every plan submission, but um, in uh, several ways, not substantively. So um, we can talk about. I'll talk a little bit more about Thank that. Thank you. I have a question about this. Member Hanson. Uh, other communities submitted similar maps, um, mm -hmm. and we didn't necessarily take a position on this map as a committee. Um, so I'm wondering, uh, what have we done with those other maps, and will we be using them in some way in the matrix beyond what we've done today? Well, I guess that's up to the body. Um, the um, specifically, like for example, with the LGBT community, um, the Rainbow Chamber did submit. They submitted <clears throat> a map that had a, a broader extent than um, just the central city, but then focused in on um, in that um, document on the central city specifically. So it was kind of, uh, and then the this board, this body. Um, sort of adopted the LGBT community as a citywide community of interest. And so we sort of tried to find a balance <laughs> and uh, by identifying the LGBT community in the central city, uh, I mean basically align it with the other um, groups that said keep the central city intact as that was the common theme. But um, there, um, there isn't any specific plan by staff unless directed by this body to um, add more to the matrix and to expand it any further. I guess my question is about, um, for the African American community in particular, they talked about Del Paso Heights and Meadowview mm -hmm. and the concentrations of uh, African Americans in those areas being very important to uh, keep together. Yes. But we don't have a, um, other than Meadowview and Del Paso Heights as separate groups, um, we don't have a particular um, rubric that just looks at African Americans for those neighborhoods because they may cross in and out of what are considered the city boundaries. Uh, I don't know the extent because it's not really analyzed here. Right. And so that's the question is, you know, right. when, when the community of interest based on the testimony exceeds what the staff has captured on the matrix, yeah. how are we going to um, approach that. I, maybe that's a question for us at the dais and not necessarily for you, but yeah. I was curious as to the process by which the staff discerned that. Yeah, so staff basically took the public testimony. They did not analyze the data to identify Sorry. community of interest, basically. So that, that we didn't take any racial or ethnic data to try to identify whether or not there were concentrations of ethnic groups or racial groups um, to identify no, that was submitted through Plan 20. So we didn't, you know, we didn't, um, we didn't create that. It was created and given it to us. But it, it was specifically as a value. community of interest map and not necessarily as a map for all the districts, which is why I'm concerned that other communities who gave testimony or presented maps that weren't included, uh, they gave community of interest maps or community of interest testimony that we have treated the groups differently. And I just want people to mm -hmm. understand that we're in the middle of the process, but... That that wasn't our intent. Yeah, certainly that wasn't our intent. But it's a, I guess basically at the discretion of the body, we would, you know, add or additional information to the matrix as it, you know as it you find it useful to the process of making a decision. Thank you, Member Maviglio. Yeah, just a clarification on that. The term we've been using for community of interest has been largely, from what I understand, Voting Rights Act terms, community of interest. But if somebody from the Tahoe Park Association were here or Elmhurst, they'd also be a community of interest according to this chart, correct? Absolutely. Okay. So it's not, And I'm they just, are included. Like Valley View Acres is a community yeah, of interest. Yeah, I know. We have somebody here who's been here at all the meetings, so they're a community of interest. But it's 
it's different from what we've been talking about legally. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah, if somebody were to provide, and maybe Matt wants to step in, <laughs> um, the, the uh, public testimony that they have a community of interest and that there are, there's a geographic extent that, and there's common interest within that community, then it certainly could and should be considered by the body. Yeah, so a neighborhood group could be a community of interest. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm just going to go quickly through these, um, each one of these. So the Valley View Acres area is, as you mentioned, Steve, um, this is a, from public testimony. It's a community of interest based on um, uh, similar geographic uses in the land. Um, this was uh, stated by um, the uh, representative from the Valley View Acres uh, Neighborhood Association that the plan um, that they would uh, prefer to see a plan where they were included in District 1 as they felt that they had more in common with District 1 than other districts. Or the North, I should say the North Natomas area, which is District 1 now. <coughs> Question? Yes. Um. Is that okay to leave it the way that they requested on the example you just gave us? Meaning, uh, let me go back. This is, uh, this is one of the plan submissions. It's just to illustrate um, the Valley View Acres um, area, which is here, and, um, and it being included in District 1 in this particular yeah. example. Um, yes, it's possible to have discontiguous um, geography okay. in plans um, it's just it's one of the factors, okay. but it is um, not a um, you know absolute that it must be contiguous. Okay. On the um, contiguity um, asterisk here, there there appears to be asterisk on some, but for the value view acres, if it was included but it wasn't included in a substantial way with North Natomas, it um, got a no, so it. I just, it looks like there are about six that got no's based for contiguity based only on Valley View Acres. Is that, does that sound about right? That would make sense. I'd have to see the specific, I don't know the specific number, but. But it, it is discontiguous, so yes, it would get an, an uh, it would be noted as discontiguous, but that doesn't mean that it, it's an, you know, an absolute no, that it can't happen. But it's um, just one of the right. values. What was the width? Like, so if somebody included it, how, or like contiguity, for instance, on map 24, there's um, two discontiguous areas potentially, uh, one at Valley View and then one over sort of by Sac State River Park. Um, it appears that it's less contiguous in both places. So is there a... Uh, a rule of thumb the staff used to determine that, that we could also apply in, in our analysis and our thought process? Well, let's give him a chance. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought Since I, Scott was pointing to me because I was, um, I, I believe 20, in 24, it's contiguous. The map, is, it has a connection between the two areas. That means it's contiguous. But... So in some, it appears that the freeway is, is what connects Valley View. So I was curious if there was, on this eastern part of Map 24, where it cuts behind Sac State and then, or, sorry, East Sac and comes in to take uh, River Park 
and um, Campus Commons in Sierra Oaks. If there was a rule of thumb that was used to just determine, is it like a certain width before we know if it's contiguous or if it's less than a, like, is there a, a metric that we We, can we used point contiguity as being contiguous. As long as any part of the map touches, no matter how thin, as long as one point touches, it is contiguous. As wide as a road Correct. would be sufficient. Okay. Let me ask but this. Again, if we're if we're talking about a particular map, could we? How much hassle is it to put that map up at that particular time? I realize you're you're not talking about the map; you're talking about this example. Yeah. But if we side not sidebar, if we go off tangent or whatever, we can do that. Look on a particular map. If we put it up. Yeah, we can. We some can of some of us have the maps there. all printed out in color and so forth. Yeah. Some of us don't. Not yeah. my printer. <laughs> You must have a good we can do that. We can switch to different maps as we. I'm not asking to do that now. I'm okay. Just... Yeah, we I, can do did that. Did I see a, a mic? Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Let's go on to the next section. Okay. So um, this is the community of interest. Um, the Latino community of interest submitted their um, community of interest boundary using the online tools. Uh, staff had separated them into the two areas, as I mentioned earlier, both north and south, um, so that we could have a more substantive understanding of those areas in the plans. The uh, matrix indicates as to whether or not the plan encompasses the majority of the community of interest, and this was because um, when we first did the analysis, it every Plan, every plan that was submitted uh, had uh, divided these communities, um, and in some ways, in some ways, very minor ways, and in some ways, substantively. So we took another cut at it and said, okay, did they substantively, you know, divide the community? And that's um, one of the footnotes you'll see on the on the matrix. As um, and that's pretty much it on the. Central City, um, this indicates um, the Central City is defined by um, the community plan area contained by the rivers on the west and north and the freeway on the east and Broadway on the south. Several groups have come forward in indicating that keeping the Central City intact is important, including the LGBT community, downtown partnership, and River District. And as illustrated <clears throat> in these examples, there are several ways to develop a plan that keeps the, in, the district or that area intact, but, um, you know, switches it between a lot of different options. So as you look at the individual submissions, you'll see that that area is, um, you know, contained in different district configurations. So that's three, you know, this is, in, this is District 3 in, on the furthest left. Um, this is then it's in District 4 in the middle, and then it's in District 5 in the next one. So there's a lot of uh, examples. And again, Scott's going to talk a little bit more about the patterns and the themes that you see as you're looking at these. And as I mentioned, the Meta View, um, Del Paso Heights and Oak Park neighborhoods were identified from, um, by, through public testimony from the African-American uh, Leadership Coalition and other individuals from the community as traditionally African-American neighborhoods. And the matrix ind indicates if the community isn't kept intact by the plan. And so these are just um, some examples of that. This is MetaView here with Delta Shores excluded. Um, Del Paso Heights area here. And Oak Park here. 
And with that, I'm going to hand it over to um, Scott, and Scott's going to talk a little bit about the themes and patterns that um, are identified. So each of the 29 maps is unique, <laughs> representing endless variations. Uh, nonetheless, there were certain themes that jumped off the page, at least for me. So this segment of our PowerPoint will highlight those, gen those general themes. And for the sake of describing these themes, I'll be generalizing the maps and may gloss over some variations. This description is not meant to be exhaustive or exhausting. So first, let's focus on the downtown midtown. Uh, downtown midtown is generally central city defined river to river, freeway to freeway. About half of the, of the submitted maps unite the downtown and midtown into a single district. Various maps show either District 3, District 4, or District 5 as the, the unified district. And map number 28 purposely divides into four districts. So here's a little bit more detail. Um, on the map on the left uh, shows District 5 as the consolidated central city for maps 1, 12, and 17. And then um, map uh, 28, again, uh, divides into four different districts. Um, in this case, uh, District 3 and District 5 are split at 16th Street on map 2. So essentially downtown is part of District 5, midtown part of District 3. And in the map on the right, uh, District 3 is essentially, again, it's 16th Street, more or less. So the, the map is uh, downtown is District 4, and uh, District 3 is uh, the midtown. Talk a little bit about District 1. This is the existing District 1 boundary, and as you know, from the population to 58311, it, it needs to shrink substantially. So in this map, sorry about the scale, it got a little messed up here. Um, the area in blue, which is north of Thomas proper, excluding Valley View Acres, have a population of 54,665. So it's significantly less than that the target mean of 58,311. Then there's some variations, and I'll call those out. If you add Valley View Acres, then uh, such as in map 15, um, that adds about almost 500 people. So it's a fairly small addition of population in order to add that area of Valley View Acres. And there's a number of arguments on why that really is. It's part of the North Totomas Community Plan and shares a lot of the same policies and history. Uh, going just south of that is the Natomas High School and vicinity. The maps were all over the place in terms of how much of that area they grabbed but essentially, in total, that area is about 3,400 people, um, depending on how far west uh, you go. The Willow Creek area on the far uh, west area, I guess that's this area in here, um, the, the Willow Creek and River Oaks uh, area uh, brings you up to 58,264 people. And if you add Metro Center, which is this area, uh, east of the canal, but still west of the freeway. Um, that's largely a, uh, 
a uh, office complex. It does have uh, some apartments. That's about 990 people. So again, those are the three major clusters of variations for um, how to, to work with District 1. Uh, looking at the Latino Community of Interest North Area, again, map number 20 was submitted by representatives of the Latino community. The area that's shown here in the middle in beige spans South Natomas, east of I-5, and the neighborhoods in North Sacramento that were identified by the speakers as a proposed community of interest. Um, in this map, uh, we overlaid it against map number 17, which is actually the closest fit. So you can see that the majority of the community of interest area as defined by the community does fit within uh, District 2 in map number 17. Showing the same thing again, this is map 31, which is also a relatively close fit. Talk a little bit about East Sacramento, which uh, extends from Business 80 uh, to US 50 and then going eastward. Uh, the River Park area in the um, northern portion there is generally tied at the hip with East Sacramento. You wouldn't know that looking at the neighborhood's map, but anecdotally, and, and again, this is something that can be tested through testimony, but um, my understanding is that River Park has historically been uh, considered almost part of East Sacramento. Um, further to the west, the CSUS, the, you know, the campus, Campus Commons, and Sierra Oaks have historically been part of District 3, though they are distinct neighborhoods. And then the College Glen area down here uh, has traditionally been part of District 6. So here's some examples of how uh, East Sacramento can be intact um, in District 3. About half of the maps include East Sacramento as intact. The variations are whether or not you include the campus, Campus Commons, Sierra Oaks, and uh, College Glen. Um, and then a few of the maps keep ESAC intact, but in a different district. So in, one, in map 34, it's District 4. In map 8, it's District 5. And in map 15, it's District 6. Um, also, some maps divide District 3 north and south. Uh, so, for example, Northern River Park might be the boundary, or J Street, or Folsom Boulevard. And some maps divide District 3 east and west at, say, 45th Street or 56th Street. Let's talk a little bit about the south area neighborhoods. Uh, Pocket and Greenhaven are west of I-5. Zeeburg Park is between I-5 and Freeport and has historically been linked with Land Park or with Pocket. The Metaview uh, is historically linked with Parkway and Valley High North Laguna. And as Maria mentioned, um, this area right in here is Delta Shores. Um, I'll do that one more time right here, which you can't see from here. It's uninhabited, so there really is no neighborhood identity. But in the assignment of all areas to neighborhoods, it got lumped with Meadowview. So here's some, here are the existing boundaries uh, for District 7 and 8. Uh, and as you can see, these are not very compact. Uh, Delta Shores right here is shown as uh, part of District 8. 
the pocket, Greenhaven, um, mostly shown in um, District 7. I'm sorry, I said Delta Shores as part of 8. That should be 7. And then there's this little funny little area. This is Center Parkway, and this area there is sort of a little funny shape. So here's some of the variations. Uh, one, in this case, this area right here um, is a cleanup of the polygon east of Center Parkway, and so that now joins District 8 to create some a more regular shape. In this case, on the, the drawing on the left, um, this shows that it's an east-west line um, at the Union Pacific Railroad. And prior to 1991, that's how they were drawn. It is very compact, and it, there is a logical geographic boundary. Um, however, oh, and, and then before I get to the however, and then the drawing on the right uh, shows that I-5 or Freeport um, generally reflects the change in demographics between the pocket and Meadowview. So in these slides, uh, District 7 and 8 are split along a north-south axis, either at Meadowview Road or just south of the John Still Elementary School, um, so that this area here, for example, is the Delta Shores area. Uh, Delta Shores is an 800-acre uh, undeveloped area in the southwestern portion of the city. It is technically part of the Meadowview neighborhood, according to the city's neighborhood map, but is presently in District 7. Uh, some members of the community generally guard Meadowview exclusive of Delta Shores. And in some maps, Delta Shores is detached from the Meadowview area and included in District 7. And in other cases, Delta Shores is included with District 8. Uh, that, uh, these are extra slides which we don't need to go into, so let me turn it back to Maria, who is going to sum this up, if she's still here. Um, okay, on the fly. Um, so I guess, uh, so now I guess we need to have some discussion about what our next steps are and how to, um, you know, assist you in uh, narrowing the, down the field, I guess, of candidate plans. And uh, there's, you know, a couple of different ways. Certainly there's probably many different ways that we can go about this, and we're looking for your direction on how best to assist you. Um, you know, there's the qualitative sort of approach. You, you take all the factors and information that we've provided to you and tell us your top five, and we can rank them, and then we can sort of sift through them or something like that, or some variation on a on theme like that. Um, and then there's the possibility of also doing a more qualitative approach, which is taking the themes that were identified by Scott and, um, you know, focusing on those and um, determining which ones you want to try to, you know, keep intact, determine which plans keep those uh, or those themes um, align with your ideas and, um, you know, bring them forward and try to narrow down based on themes or approach or develop new approaches based on those themes. So we're just opening it up for discussion now. And uh, that concludes our formal presentation tonight. And uh, we'll be looking for direction. Thank you very much. Thanks, staff. Appreciate it. Member Shaw. Uh, thank you, Chair. <clears throat> I um, 
don't have a question, um, sorry, a comment about the process as much as I have one about um, uh, the East Sacramento s slides and the PowerPoint that, that Scott put up. Thank you for, for, for showing that and identifying the maps that, that keep the, the neighborhood intact. Part of the reason I'm making these comments tonight is that I've received feedback from the East Sacramento community about their desire to keep the neighborhood whole. Um, the East Sacramento, Improvement, uh, East Sacramento Improvement Association president um, is meeting with his board this evening. That's why he's not here, so he'll be here at the next meeting Monday. But at least he, I know they probably already had their vote to express that for the record. But I'd like to state um, um, via the feedback that I've received that um, formally and on the record that their desire is to keep East Sacramento intact. And um, just two, two more items to that point is that some of the maps, as you identified, um, split districts, put a district boundary um, down J Street and down Folsom Boulevard. And um, that, that won't work for a number of reasons, but I'll, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll leave it at this. The boundaries in the neighborhood map that you put up um, are used by the East Sacramento Improvement Association, the old, Sacramento's oldest and largest, the McKinley East Sacramento Neighborhood Association, the East Sacramento Preservation Task Force, the East Sac Chamber, although they allow members from outside of those um, borders, the Welcome to East Sacramento signs, which was cited in one of the presentations as anecdotal evidence of a community of interest. They use those as well, the levy and, and the freeways. And then lastly, um, one thing about J Street, one thing about Folsom. If you were to split a district, uh, split districts down J Street, you would have, as an example, I remember some members of the LGBT community talked about some of the places of worship um, that are primarily LGBT and concentrated. If you use J Street, you'd have Sacred Heart Parish in a different district than Sacred Heart School, even though they're right across the street from each other. And then one other anecdote regarding Folsom Boulevard is that. Um, you know, I, I know of um, a family where the mother's in one house north of Folsom. One daughter is in a house north of Folsom. Her other daughter is just south of Folsom. Her son and his family are just south of Folsom. And I guarantee that if you ask them, they'd say that they live in the same neighborhood, intentionally live in the same neighborhood, live in the same, in the same council district. So I would just ask that that be added to the matrix and to the conversation going forward as a qualitative item. Thank you. Member Pluckerbaum. I just wanted to support and agree with everything uh, Member Shaw just said and um, uh, confirm uh, what Scott Mitty said earlier uh, on behalf of the River Park Native Neighborhood Association, of which I'm a board member. They view themselves as a part of uh, East Sacramento. I should say we view ourselves. That's for sure. And which neighborhood association was it again? River Park. River Park. Thank you. Member Boulder. Yeah, question to, to both my colleagues. Uh, if you look at uh, East Sacramento, what would be the, what is the current split and what would be the appropriate split? What street? I'd be happy to answer that. If there's a, actually a PowerPoint slide, the, the way that it's defined on the neighborhood map that we've received, I think is appropriate. And there was a PowerPoint slide that has it that's appropriate as well. Um, I, the boundaries would be from uh, Business 80, which is just um, just west of Alhambra. Um, it would be the levee, and where the uh, Union Pacific Railroad. If you if you have ever driven um, or ridden from um, Sac State into East Sacramento, where you go under, there's an underpass. That's the railroad there, and the 
and the and the levy. So it do, doesn't include, even though the, the district currently does, it doesn't include Sac State, um, but it is freeway, freeway, and and then the river and River Park. So there's less concern about Sac State and College Green. Uh, those would be identified as different as different neighborhoods. Um, as the member Pluckybaum pointed out, River Park would be identified as uh, geographically a separate neighborhood, but considers itself, as do we in East Sacramento, considered sure. a part of East Sacramento. Okay. So the, free, the, the split is the free is 50 on the south on the south side. Yes. Okay. And and on the west is Biz 80. Yes. Capital City Freeway, whatever you call it. And on the North is the levee. The levee and, and railroad tracks. And on the state. east is? Is also the levee. It goes all the way around. A, it's, a, it ends at, uh, there's A Street over there, but right. there's, and yeah, C is part of it. Okay. Mr. Chair. Hang on a second. No applicable. Let me briefly toot River Park's horn. Um, the, the community prides itself on having only two vehicular points of access, and it's, it's very much isolated in that way. Yeah, we um, hated that at the fire department. Yeah, <laughs> just for the record, we, we we take we we take very good care of our local firefighters, um, and, uh, in, and, and and all the same, it still has a very strong relationship with its neighbors just over the railroad tracks. Um, with respect to the boundaries for East Sacramento, I agree with uh, what Member Shada said, with one caveat. If you talk to a person who's over, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years old, they remember before Highway 50 was put in. And before Highway 50 put, was put in, there was a very strong continuity to, to the neighborhoods just south of Highway 50 now that are currently a part of District 6. So if you, if you talk to an original resident of, of those neighborhoods, they'll tell you that Elmhurst and, and uh, well, actually a member of Maviglio may know better than me, um, but I've, I've had these conversations, I've had a few arguments with some friends recently, and they, they've learned me, uh, schooled me <laughs> on, on the history of how that happened and how the community was divided right there. Member Hanks. Uh, I think that somebody from the ESAC uh, Improvement Association came and gave that testimony. I know we do have a letter from the ESAC Chamber of Commerce, so we have we have received testimony to keep ESAC together to the extent that you both have talked about. Um, and to your point, Member Pluckybaum, the 1980 map I think showed um, ESAC taking Med Center and Elmhurst, or at least Elmhurst, if you go back and look at some of the historical. But it was in 1990. One that it was moved to be part of Tahoe Park, or I think it's vacillated. It's between that and being joined with Oak Park. Um, my question was a little bit different, um, but I couldn't help riff off what you were saying. In the um, uh, one of the plans that you put up showed the uh, Latino community of interest in the north overlaid, and um, I don't know if the staff noticed, but uh, Map 35 in the north has a very similar line to that as well to what the Latino community is looking at. So I don't know if if um, that was intentional or unintentional, but it wasn't in your discussion. So I thought I'd point that out. My my real question is um, some. Those other questions weren't real? No. I'm practicing <laughs> to be a lawyer, Chair Cherry. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've learned from the, the best, hopefully. Um, some neighborhoods have grown used to being in different council districts, but some of these maps put neighborhoods like Curtis Park and Land Park which have over time been separated by council districts into the same district. And I don't know if we looked at that as a theme, but it seemed it was a theme that seemed to come out of the maps. Um, and I don't know that it's a good theme, but it was a theme nonetheless. 
uh, and whether we should debate that or not. I, I doubt that people are really interested in combining them, but it was a theme that I thought was um, fairly consistent, especially um, the Curtis Park and Land Park combination in, in one district. So that's just another theme for you. If the uh, committee is interested in having us report back on, you know, more detail on that specific theme, wonderful. Or if you want to discuss that uh, on your own, I think it would be all very helpful in terms of presenting the progress report next week to the council to have thought through and digested some of these themes and quantitative aspects. Steve, were you, did you, had you, I was just going to defend my peeps in Elmhurst <laughs> because we are, we, you know, we're in that we have been moved around by a freeway for the most part, and especially with the massive growth at the medical center, it's sort of cut us off the other way. And if you sell a house like they're doing on my street right now, it says East Sacramento, and I guess so that's we can get 25 percent more for that house. Remember, <laughs> chair. Yes, Member Pikeball. The, the argument is if you look at the, and I'll stop after this, if you, the grid continues, the letter numbering continues below 50-50, sep separated the, um, the letter numbering, and I think it stops, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Steve, just ab above the med centers where the, um, the lettering stops at Z or X or Z, yeah, right there. Member Bowler. Mr. Chair, uh, I thought the presentation was really good on the themes, and I hadn't seen that before. And I would like to have them available either online or hard copy because that was really very instructive. And then, Mr. Chair, I, I just need time with all the dialogue <laughs> okay, to look at this. There's some very good dialogue, especially hearing from our colleagues on the dais in terms of what the feedback they're getting. Member Wallace. Um, I, I have some concern because I feel like we're getting ahead of the process. Um, I hear a lot of testimony about particular neighborhoods needing to be taken together, and I wanted to take a more holistic approach to the maps and the evaluation of those maps. And um, I wanted to see how many of the criteria um, were maximized by each map and, like, prioritize those maps um, as a way of kind of trying to please everyone. And then from there, we could take an approach where we um, considered each community of interest or particular testimony um, where there were problems created with each of the maps. And instead of trying to say, we're going to focus on keeping this neighborhood whole as the first point of departure, if we could talk about which maps do the best job of satisfying everybody's interests. I like that suggestion. Member Martins. I agree with Maya. I think that's a good way to go. Staff, uh, go ahead, Scott. Could, could I uh, ask for some clarification then? Did we, did we get it right in terms of the matrix that we developed? Did we hit on each of the important criteria? Were there other criteria that should have been included, or were there criteria that were not particularly important? So if we were to do any kind of a composite score, it would help us to know if we're on the right track. 
Well, I'd like to hear from the colleagues. I, I thought that it was very instructive, and it was. I mean, you certainly took in the seven criteria um, and obviously paid close attention to the most important one, that's population. So I, I was fairly comfortable with, with how, how it come out. It's just going to get now down to the sort of nitty-gritty of, of deciding what we think. Um, I like the term that Member Wallace used, which ones max, maximized the criteria before we got into the okay so then where where do we where do we have to make corrections um, member Wallace so the only thing I think that might stymie this process um, is that continuity integrity versus valley view acres being kept with North Natomas and so I don't know if there's a way to create like a extra field that that's actually what's happening and affecting that contiguity but aside from that a, co a composite based on these and in addition maybe some of these other neighborhoods that we had other testimony I don't think is definitely reflected in this matrix um, like East Sacramento is not on this matrix so specifically is East Sacramento something you'd like to have added to the matrix well I want if everyone if someone came here and gave us testimony and said please keep our neighborhood intact I think College Greens was one also um, I'd like to see it reflected I, I don't want at this point to place any one criteria higher than the other. You're saying you'd like to see it all included and then break it down from there? Yes. Is that instructive at all? Question? Yeah, so I had a, another point of clarification. <laughs> uh, so on um, if they're equally, do we want to weight them equally? So, you know, it, if they meet the criteria or don't meet the criteria, do we want to group them in, you know, sets? As, so, for example, if we have a lot of communities of interest that are listed on the matrix, say six, and the other criteria are seven or five or whatever, um, if they met all the neighborhood criteria but they didn't meet any of the other criteria, then they may be receiving a high score. Do you, I mean, is there some... We want to have some dialogue about yes. how to organize that. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> yes, we want to have some dialogue about it. Yeah. I, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but there are some criteria that are sort of super criteria. They're given by the Constitution or something else that I think if we're trying to maximize, they should take precedence. Like uh, one person, one vote is a constitutional requirement. And to, to maximize that is um, best, and obviously we've got some deviation we can play with, but the lower that is, the more it's maximized. Um, or let's say not splitting um, uh, particularly potential, we don't have any voting rights act issues here, but it's instructive for who we should not split, and we've heard testimony from the African American community, the Latino community, the API community. So I think given that the Voting Rights Act in particular guides a lot of redistricting that that's a criteria that we should weight more heavily than, say, contiguity, um, which no one came to testify in contiguity. Um, so I think that's the second point that I would make, is that some neighborhoods may care not to be split, but they may not have been able to engage in this process. But we can discern from the number of people that live there and stuff that it's an important neighborhood for our city, and that it's probably important regardless of whether they came to testify that to the extent that they share common interests, common challenges, um, that they be kept together. So I don't want to split a neighborhood simply because they didn't show up here when, um, in all reality, it's a very important, vibrant neighborhood that should be respected. Well, 
I, I, I think I understood what you said, but the, the one, one person, one vote, um, how, what criteria is reflective of that? How, how would you incorporate that? How would staff, because they're looking for direction from us right deviation. now if it's not. So the lower the standard deviation, the more equal the population is. So well, okay, that so that, I mean, yeah. but that's the primary criteria anyway, isn't it? Right. But it, it's not on the same level as, let's say, um, uh, I'm going to beat up on contiguity again because it's it doesn't have an advocate <laughs> here in the room potentially. But but that it should be more important in our analysis that the districts are equal than that they are potentially contiguous. Although that is important as well as a secondary consideration. That's all I'm saying. So we have like primary considerations and secondary. Right. But if we're taking testimony, and and the evidence is based on testimony we have of certain criteria being more important to groups than others, how, how do we inject our um, idea of what we think is more important? It sounds like, you, it sounds like you were suggesting that we say, well, okay, continuity is important, um, even though we haven't had anybody come and say, well, you know, we want to make sure that the opposite. Okay, my, I'm, if I'm confusing what you're saying, maybe because I'm confused. <laughs> I, I think what I'm saying is that, uh, particularly population deviation, the more it's maximized, that's a criteria that's given to us by the Constitution. And I think for one person, one vote, it's important that we have the least deviation possible while doing our job well. So that's something that we should try to maximize. I also think that protecting the... Um, communities of color where they have a compact, um, politically cohesive, um, geographically compact, politically cohesive area, that that makes sense to also honor uh, because the Voting Rights Act and I agree. us there. But the other criteria beyond that, they're, they're, they're dissimilar in the amount of weight we should give them from the first two because they, they're going to compete with one another on the same level versus that we have a constitutional kind of requirement not to dilute minority vote, um, the minority, the, the votes of minority communities. So that's what I'm saying is we should prioritize those two in particular. Then talk about the other ones. Um, if we want to prioritize neighborhoods, that's probably the will of the body. That's a policy decision. If we wanted to um, do something around compactness, that's another discussion we can have, but we haven't had that discussion. But in particular, one person, one vote, not diluting the interests of communities of color um, I think should be predominant in our analysis. I'm clear. Thank you. Can Maybe we have a speaker. Member Chair, can I make a comment over down here? Yeah, you can, and then, and then uh, Michelle's now. Right. You want to go ahead first? Okay. So uh, maybe I'll go out on a limb here and say <laughs> that there's some I think it's going to be pretty challenging for staff to come up with a matrix that can be weighted in a way that would um, add value and not distort the process. Just That's my, I mean, we're willing to try. <laughs> but I think it's going to be pretty challenging. So um, one approach might be that based on the background information that we've given you and the matrix, um, in, uh, you know, enhanced as we've discussed, that... Um, that the members choose, based on those criteria and information, their top candidates and the information that they've heard, rather than us trying to come up with an arbitrary ranking um, process or a value, a specific value. 
and that we go through it sort of as a process of elimination in that re approach. I'm just throwing it out there. When you say choose, are you speaking of choosing um, top, the more important criteria, obviously population being the most important, or are you talking about choose the maps that we think, based on what we've heard so far, that are, are look most promising to us? Right. I, I mean, one option could be that individual members could choose the top five or ten that they feel align most with the criteria that we've discussed and the information that we've given, rather than, you know, coming up with an absolute, like a scoring chart. Right. And that, um, and that we could go through a, a process of, you know, elimination. See what falls that. out. What, you know, if there's a natural break in the divisions, if certain ones sift to the top or not. Um, but just throwing it out there as a. No, I'm actually that's, I mean, I'm trying to think out loud here. That's certainly not a bad idea because it may very well be that there is a natural process of elimination for some of these maps, um, not all of them, but if, if each of us, let's say if each of us came next week with our top ten or top five or whatever the case might be, and we looked at collectively, it may, it may expose itself, if you will, as to which maps will automatically fall off the process. It, to help us to start to narrow down um, coming up with a recommendation. And uh, with that, Michelle Rubicola. I was going to agree with your comments of how I, I remember Wallace's comments. I'm trying to think of how, you know, to do a holistic approach. And I think that just from the time that we've been here, obviously, you know, equal population is the easiest one that we can all see. And then there's been a lot of discussion about communities of interest which I think people have um, strong feelings about. But I think that that gets sticky when you're trying to do the holistic approach. Because I guess the way I was viewing your comment was a matrix where you had all the criteria, and then you said, you know, map one has five of the seven criteria. But really, when you get into communities of interest, how do you do that? Because what if not all the communities of interest are represented? So then does it fail the community of interest test? Am I explaining myself correctly? Do you see the kind of stickiness of that? Because then we get into how many communities of interest, and do we have a majority, and does that pass the community of interest test? It has a majority of the community of interest that we label. I start to get wrap, wrapped up in my head. But maybe you guys can figure that out. Well, I, I just want to say I... Um I'd like to go back to what Member Hansen was saying about prioritizing the communities of color because we have a more legal basis for that with the Voting Rights Act. Um, and so I'm willing to throw it out there that we prioritize those and then we leave neighborhoods just a tally who, or, or the other communities of interest that have come and, and um, testified. And then just in general, like a neighborhood score or something, um, because I think there's like a couple of different cuts we can make with this data and come up with 10 maps that look really good across all of the criteria that we seem to be focusing on um, without making everyone here take a stand on which five maps they think are the best. Um, because I think that gives the impression of undue influence from outside sources. Member Shaw. Um, thank you, Chair. I have t 
two, two distinctly separate comments. One is more of a technical comment. And I, it, um, I think population stability, um, quite frankly, I think we can eliminate that. I don't, I don't think that it's useful. And it sounds very meaningful and, and well-intended. But if you look at it, we don't have a single um, score over 80%. And save two, we don't have any under 50%. So they're pretty much lumped together. And I would venture to guess that the reason we don't have anything over 80% is there's roughly 50,000 people that are currently in District 1 that, no matter how you slice it, are going to be in a different district. So I think that might help simplify things. And, and if, if that's agreed upon by the committee, I, I really I don't find it that useful. Um, and then the other item regarding, um, I, I agree with a, a lot of what's been said. I like the idea of a holistic approach. Um, I think at some point, I don't know if it's now or the next meeting, but I think at some point the, the discussion has to shift from quantitative to qualitative. At, at some point, we'll, we'll have, that's when our real work begins. And it's going to be up to us to take a lot of very complex data, um, rank it in a way that, that staff, software can't, staff can't, and, and, and come up with, with real, real solutions. So um, I, I like the idea of compiling, you know, of, ha of having more data that ESAC I mentioned specifically, but I think that whether it's this meeting, the next meeting, or very, very soon from now, uh, very close to now, we'll need to start doing qualitative, um, making some qualitative decisions. Thank you. Before I ask Member Hansen, does I didn't hear disagreements with the idea of the um, population stability not being that important. And frankly, if, as I think about what you said, the the whole North or the Natomas mm -hmm. District One issue definitely essentially takes that away as an issue. Because you're right, if 50,000 people are going to move, then no matter where you look. You're going to have what was I was trying to find the highest one. Was there one that was 76 percent? 76 and a half, Member so Chair. Not only not over 80, but not even close. Not even 80. Go ahead. You, you could just set the, the the ceiling at 80. You could treat 80 as the ceiling. But I agree with Member Shaw. I don't think it's particularly relevant. So I, I so I guess my point is, it sounds like we may have consensus on at least that one issue, which is moving the ball forward, yeah. Inch, inching it forward slowly, but moving it forward nonetheless. So. <laughs> okay. I, I don't, I mean, it sounds like there's a consensus on that, the population stability. Mm -hmm. But I'm waiting for somebody to object if there isn't. Okay. So, Member Hanson, I assume you're not objecting. No, that. I'm not objecting. Okay. I would never object to the chair. <laughs> um, the only thing I would offer is maybe it felt good when we were going through a process of elimination last week versus yeah, picking the best. <laughs> You know, I think that process of elimination is a tried-and-true method, so maybe what we could do is look at the ones that seem to accomplish these goals the worst, take those off and, and whittle that way instead of picking what we think are the best, because I think that there's going to be trade-offs in the maps, but some of them do these things badly. Like, for instance, I just counted the yeses and the noes across, and four and seven, they got one yes. And they, um, they were both on contiguity, which you know, uh, we've talked about may or may not be as important. So there's a way to understand how these maps may affect the community. Just using this matrix, understanding its 
incapacities. But, um, you know, the greatest was six and map 24. And there's a range in between, but there are several maps that get ones and twos. And um, maybe we just decide that there's, there's a process of elimination we could go through that whittles us down so staff can have fewer maps to analyze and we can continue that process, as the chair said. No, I, I appreciate that suggestion, and I'm in the time we have left, and, and I'm not suggesting that we're going to sh shut the lights off at 8 o'clock, but um, we could we go down these maps and do that now? I mean, he just talked about two of them that, as you said, do it badly, if, if, that's, the, if that's the correct um, phraseology. If there, if, is staff prepared to tell us there's – okay, all right. And, and maybe not. I'm just I'm, – again, we're trying we, – we've already – we agreed on the – that the uh, population stability is not going to be something that's important to us because it, it, it's going to fall out how it falls out because of the Thomas. So um, we don't have to try to do that at the dais. I agree. I'm just, um, again, trying to advance the ball forward in terms of finding a process of elimination. Mr. Chair, I, I wondered if there was one that we could do, and that is the deviation. There's two maps that are over 10, which is pretty substantial and probably would invite an immediate lawsuit. And I wondered if, if we could chop off everything above 10. As a, it would only be two maps, but it would be a starting point perhaps and, and an easy one. So what numbers are we talking about? It would be 15 and 24. 15, yes. One is 10.7 and then one is uh, – that and and it was that actually was drawn by the the president of the East Sacramento. And full disclosure, I did not participate in any of the drawing, the discussion, or any votes related to it. Um, but um, I and I, but I do know that he wanted to be here tonight to speak on it, but had his neighborhood association board meeting and will be here at the next meeting to to speak on it. So if we can just hold it at least one more meeting so he has the opportunity to explain if you know, this is just conceptual or if there's a few areas where it's intentionally, um, you know, it, it intentionally deviates or if there was an oversight or a mistake or something. As a suggestion, maybe we could do what we did for the Valley View Acres map, which I think got taken off because of deviation, which is turn that into a column like we talked about earlier and keep the map as a piece of reference from that neighborhood. And I think that's what we've done for a couple of the other maps that we eliminated because of deviation reasons. Use them as a um, rubric to identify what their true interest was, which is keeping Isak whole, I believe. And I think that I don't want to speak for him, so I think that there might be more to it. So all I would offer is if we just give him the, give the, the, the author of the map, he's expressed that he will be here one week from today. To, to speak about what whatever the board decided this evening. So if we could just, out of, you know, out of a courtesy to him, if we could just keep it until then. And if after his comments, if we decide let's just keep it as a rubric or throw it out entirely, then um, that's, I think that would be fine. Okay. Member Fry Lucas. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to comment that um, the criteria are essential to the process. However, for me, the emerging themes are also a big part of the community's feedback to us, which we do not have in front of us. And I think that that's an important part of the whole process. And until we take the criteria and the feedback from the community and, and other things all at once, I really don't think we can make any decisions about taking something off of here when we're not 
we don't have the themes that emerged from community participation on hard copy. Yeah, I mean, earlier, I believe it was Scott that talked about essentially two different ways of doing it, the qualitative or, or the second way, I believe, was to take the themes and try to apply that and give us the feedback as to how, how the themes fit in. And, and I know that um, that second method appealed to me at the time he discussed it, but I, I wanted to have the body open up the discussion about it. Um, well, as a researcher, patterns are important. Correct. Very, very, very important. <laughs> and we've established that there are patterns. However, we do not have a hard copy of those patterns to consider in this discussion. And I think that we're kind of cutting, you know, we're kind of going around a little circle here without Scott's uh, feedback on themes, because that, too, will take us into a process of elimination automatically. I agree. Well, it sounds like we're, we're not going to cut any maps tonight but it sounds like we are starting to talk about a process for doing that. I did notice that there were a couple maps that were over 10%, and I, and I know, as I recall from our attorney's discussion, you know, slightly over 10% is certainly not um, undoable, if that's, if that's a word, but, the, you know, the, the higher you get over that number, um, the more unlikely it's defensible from a legal perspective. And so there may very well be that those two maps, perhaps after, as Member Shaw indicated, after we had comments from the folks from ESAC next week, we might decide that 10.83% or 10.7% is defensible. Um, so, this, and uh, Member Bowler has expressed not wanting to make a cut tonight, and uh, it sounds like, since I don't hear a lot of objections to that, that that's probably the consensus for tonight. But I, and I know staff is still grasping for wanting as much direction from us as we can possibly give them. So um, we want to continue to have the discussion for s some point. Member Hanson. I think your vice chair was next. Oh, I'm sorry. Mem no, Member Rukala. I just wanted to ask the committee um, what their opinion was about a comment made by the chair earlier about maybe each of us selecting two or three maps and saying why they felt they met the criteria we've been discussing, and then perhaps from that we can kind of gain, you know, 10 of the members picked a particular map or one map was not chosen at all. I thought it was a viable mm -hmm. option, um, and I just wanted to discuss it a little bit more. I like that idea. I like that idea because a lot of us already know what works and what doesn't work. Um, we may not be saying it, but we do know that. And um, so with that said, then that would also add to a process of elimination because we would have recommendations and we will have eliminated those that we feel just don't fit and won't work for our community. So I, I absolutely support that recommendation. And is it, would it be appropriate to say that we would come with our top ten? Bottom ten. Bottom ten. Or bottom well, okay. I think five to seven. I think ten. Well, I'm, you think it's unwilling to start out at that number? You say no more than ten. Right. I'm saying if, if yeah, if you if, if each member was stated on the record next meeting, uh, remember we're going to do the follow-up with the council on Tuesday. These these are the top ten maps for me, and if there were, and not that we, you know, we're not trying to have long speeches, certainly not for me, but. The, and this is why. I also think that we 
um, and we can get from staff the themes. I, I, we definitely need to have the themes, and I think we need to take a look at that before we decide what our top ten are so that we can at least for our own selves intelligently decide why, why we are picking these particular maps. It, it, the process may flesh itself out. As, as Michelle just said, you know, four or five of these maps may not be in, in anybody's uh, bag of what we think is viable, and we could just eliminate those relatively. I mean, we have, is it four more meetings or five more meetings? We have, we have four more meetings after today. Um, so if we if we were able to uh, come up with the with what our top ten maps are collectively by next week, it seems to me that we would be really advancing the ball to getting toward trying to. I, I see them. Um, I got eyes in the. I got raised four kids. <laughs> you got all productive citizens. I'd like to add. <laughs> I got eyes. My mom talked. My mom used this question. She said, "What did you say, boy?" I was like. I didn't say anything, Mom. Um, anyway, so that, that's, where I, that's where I was headed. <laughs> Member Plekabom. Thank uh, you. I, I agree with uh, Member Rukaba that uh, the top um, you know, five or ten would be a, an informative tool. I also agree with Member Hansen that the bottom five or ten would be an even more informative uh, way. Uh, certainly when I'm trying to make a decision, it's far easier for me to be critical than it is for me to be um, and, and I think we're gonna, there's going to be a lot more um, easy things for us to um, – there's going to be a lot more opportunities for us to, to discount a map than there are going to be for us to all agree on a map being in a five, the top five or top ten. So maybe the solution here is for us to do both. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Steve that I think that the starting from the bottom working your way up will be a more uh, valuable process. Maybe we do that first. Um, maybe that changes how people f discuss and feel about um, their top five or top ten. I, I like that idea. Come with your, the ones that you think the top ten to be eliminated in the top ten you like. Um, maybe that starts to get us down to something that becomes manageable. Um, Member Hanson. The process of whittling seems to be constructive when it's done in a way that brings us together. And I think if we chose the top ones, it could be so divergent. It may not be. Maybe I'm overreacting. But that it could actually lead us to less constructive conversation. And we have some criteria, and we've talked to the staff about giving us more information about how the maps fail to meet them or fail to maximize them that I think would be helpful in whittling out the weakest of the maps. And um, for that point, I think coming at it from the, the, the maps that we're least likely to choose because they fail to meet the criteria would be a more constructive way for this group to go. And I'm essentially saying the same thing that Phil is saying, but I feel very strongly that if we come and we say at this forum what we think are the best maps, um, I feel like that's being subjective in a way because we'll be um, asked to make a um, – a judgment call on what we think are the best ones when we haven't necessarily taken the worst ones off, and it just seems to cart before the horse in this process. Well, we, we are being, make no mistake about the fact that we are being asked to make a judgment call. Um, so I, 
for, for me, I, I, first of all, I'm, I'm very um, receptive to the idea of, of doing the bottom, you know, the ones that you want to eliminate, your top ten to eliminate. But I don't necessarily see any reason why we, w we would not be in a position to say the top ten we like. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd be happy to do the, the ones we want to get rid of first. You have that debate first. Let's try and come to a consensus. It, it may fall out sort of automatically um, or may not. But then I would also be willing to go on the record for the top ten that we like and then start trying to whittle it down from there, Member Pleckenbaum. I'll be brief. Usually the process of whittling is iterative, and you, we would start from the bottom and, and, and encroach upon the top um, in, in one direction. I offered the compromise of going in both directions towards the middle as a way to uh, bring agreement for this committee. Okay. I guess I'm confused about I'm explain for no, me no, what no, you mean by going from and going to the middle. So normally the process of whittling goes in one direction. We would start from the, either the bottom or the top and work to, to whatever end we sought. So if you had, you know, if you had a piece of wood, you'd work at it until you thought you were done many strokes, right? So we would, if we had a, uh, we have 20, however many, 37 maps, we would start and work our way down to one or no, three. I think we only have 29. Or, Don't make it any bigger than <laughs> what we already have. <laughs> so it's 29 and we would work our way down. Uh, you know, we would eliminate our first 10 and then we would eliminate our next 10 and then we would eliminate our next oh, five. See, we I could, understand. we could work that way, but I offered the compromise of working in both directions, stating both our bottom 10 and our top 10 as a way of uh, bringing agreement in the committee that for, for, for both part, for it sounded like there was interest in, in both approaches. I, I'm I have a question. Please. When we're seeing our top ten and bottom ten, are we seeing exactly as it has been submitted with no changes? What are we saying here? I mean, this thing is getting bigger and bigger as far as I'm concerned. Are we saying if I say I want ten, I have ten that I'd like uh, to be my top ten, that I want those ten to be just the way it is on this piece of paper? That's no, we're not saying that. That's a great that. question. I, don't, I think the answer we're is not no, we're not that. saying that. And so that's why I don't understand the discussion. Because I don't understand the discussion. I mean, if we say our top ten that we like with some modifications perhaps, mm -hmm. then that's a different response. I, I would agree. I, I do think that it's easier to say which ones we want to eliminate than which ones. But we are going to have to go on the record to say which ones we want. But I agree with you. My, my, I guess I'm, the assumption I made in my head was that we were going to say, for me, just speaking for, strictly for Member Cherry, if I was going to pick the top ten, I, they wouldn't necessarily be my perfect map. I would say, these are my top ten, but I think they need to be tweaked in this way or that. But they meet 95% of what I think is the, is, the way, is the way it should be developed. So I, I think with that clarification, um, and I'm, I'm seeing nodding in the affirmative. So I just want to say that, that I think the way we get there isn't by necessarily our personal judgment at this point because I don't have Scott's presentation on the themes and but I think that there's a quantitative way to look at this information that we've been presented with and come to that same top 15 <laughs> not 10 <laughs> um, and in a way that doesn't require any of us to kind of make a value judgment well, yeah, and I don't really feel personally qualified to do that. Um, I'm a PNPE member of this committee, so I wasn't appointed by a particular interest. And so I feel it's incumbent upon me to ensure that sort of the objective approach is maintained 
um, because I don't, I don't fully understand the interests of everyone else on this committee. Well, to, when, when you're saying that there's some quantitative or qualitative choices that have to be made, it's all according to what your problem-solving process is about your top ten. Right. If that's the way you want to look at your top ten, then I would suggest that you do that. But as far as the group is concerned, we may have some different kinds of, of uh, variables that we want to consider uh, aside from just hard numbers or just criteria or just what's on this uh, one-dimensional piece of paper. Um, so I think that we, the way that we pick those ten should be left up to the individuals. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree because, I, I mean, I, I assume that, that we're all going to use some variation of a different methodology to decide which one was our bottom, which, which were the ten we would most like to eliminate or which one of the ten we'd most like to include with, what, which, what, with whatever tweak or modification that we think is necessary to make the map more more perfect, or I guess none of them are going to be perfect. Mo better, <laughs> mo better. My wife is killed. My wife's an educator. She killed me for saying that. <laughs> I hope on she's not record. watching this. On the record, Member Shaw. Um, I'll, I'll be brief. I, I agree with the idea of selecting either top ten or bottom ten, and I think that in our explanation or defense of our reasoning behind selecting the bottom ten or the top ten, there will be some very qualitative themes that, that come out of that. Um, I think it will be, be great. I think it will move things forward. It not only will put us in a position where we can agree upon ones that we need to eliminate or that we need to very seriously consider, but I think it's a very constructive way to get some ideas out there because in defense of the, you know, if I'm, I'm the ones that are in my top ten might be because all of them have a district with, um, you know, a high concentration of, of Latino population or all my top ten have the central city as one one district, or you know, these types of themes will come out, and will kind of. We'll, I think it'll be very constructive. So, um, I, I agree that we should do the some sort of top ten or bottom ten or both. Michelle, I just wanted to add one last comment. I think that maybe it was uh, Member Pluckybaum that said this, but I think that if we do pick the top ten or bottom ten, we should look at the bottom ten first, and then that will weed out even possibly some of people's top tens, and then that starts to kind of create a little funnel effect of um, maps that are um, agreeable to the group as a whole. So, No, I agree. I, I actually appreciated the solution when I said, you know, I started the theme or the idea of let's pick our top ten. When somebody said, no, let's pick the top ten we want to eliminate, I actually liked that. Uh, it was an improvement on my idea <laughs> to the extent it was my idea. Um, Member Hanson. Actually, Member Luke Fry Lucas. Did oh, you, you just I was going to make a recommendation. Okay. Uh, I have uh, two recommendations, I guess. One, um, considering a discussion about Valley View Acres, that for the purposes of contiguity, that we not consider Valley View Acres with North Natomas non-contiguous um, in, the, in the map, in, the, in this rubric. And I think that's a policy um, choice for us to make. So I guess I'm recommending that where this chart might say value view acres is included with North Natomas, but it's non-contiguous because of the discussion earlier, that that should be actually considered contiguous for the purpose of, of the conversation. 
Um, the second thing is we could also, um, instead of going through this iterative process, we could choose themes. We could take Scott's um, permutations, choose permutations that we think make sense in the areas where there are choices, and uh, whittle the maps by a choice of uh, choosing themes. Like if it's not Valley View Acres with North Atomas, maybe it's um, Willow Creek. You know, there, there begins to be fewer choices as we choose themes, and we can't choose all the themes. So we could do it that way, too. Um, the state commission did visualizations for ways that they thought specific areas could look, and then they are having their line drawers draw according to those visualizations. So we're not necessarily boxed into this linear thinking of reducing and whittling down to the most concentrated, the best maximized version, but it, it's as uh, legitimate a process as these other, these other ways that it's been done. So I don't know if people. But back, back to Fry Lucas's um, comments earlier that I, that I agree with, I think how you come to pick your top 10 that you want to eliminate or your top 10 that you want to include with modification is up to you as an individual member. I mean, for me, I'll just tell you, I, you know, I have this, the city's map is, you know, indelible in my mind, having worked in all of the neighborhoods and the fire stations over careers. And I kind of, have, when I look at the map, and then I think back, oh, well, when I worked at the station at 24th Street and Florin Road, these neighborhoods kind of thought or worked together. And when I worked at uh, Grand and Rio Linda at Old Station 17, these neighborhoods, see, I mean, some of that's changed over the years, but I've only been out of the fire department a couple years. I have a map in my head of how I think the neighborhoods in these communities divide up, and they don't necessarily fit into any of these maps 100 percent. Mm -hmm. But but much of the themes that we're talking about, I I when when I palpate the community and the neighborhoods and how I feel about them, and you know as I go around the city, I see themes. Um, so you know, I think eliminating 10 to me would be you know, not a very difficult exercise. Um, starting to pick which 10 I think are the best mm -hmm. ones is a little bit more difficult, but certainly doable. And, and as a matter, practical matter, we have to do it. And we have to do it in the next four meetings. Um, so um, I think this discussion has been very productive. Um, I think we have generally a consensus, which is what we're trying to do here, um, about how, how we want to proceed next week. I do think we need the theme information, which we can get electronically. Uh, from Scott. He just said we'll have it tomorrow. So um, that's pretty good. Last comment. No, go right ahead. One last thing, and perhaps this is um, doesn't need to be stated. Perhaps people have already arrived to this conclusion, but I'm not, I wasn't thinking for myself personally that there is any map that has been submitted that I think is going to be chosen. I think that the maps that we will eventually decide to present to the council will have to maybe be two or three maps, their themes or their concepts. Um, put together to create what we think is a whole map because I just from my personal opinion there's nothing that has been submitted here that I think captures everything that we want to present and so my assumption was that we would use these as guidelines to then say you know maybe the map the first map that we our number one map is a mix of map 5 and 17 with these themes added to it um, is how I thought eventually. I just don't see us picking one of these maps, but that's just me. Um, and that was my, you know, going down that process, I think, is what we're going to start hopefully soon. 
Let me get Steve, and then I'll get you, but not. Yeah, Mr. Chair, I just wanted to support your idea. I like the bottom ten up, and I just wondered if that's something we could send our votes for, get a tally so we hit the ground running next week with that tally. I think that's <laughs> staff. Now, did, was that a frightening look, or was that a – because I thought that was a great idea. Oh, no, she said that was a happy look. Okay. okay. She looked like, oh, my God, I thought. She meant, oh, my God, in a good way. Um, and if you need a motion to make that happen, let me, let me know. I, what, what, he, what, he, what he said was if we could actually do that and submit that to staff before the next meeting. These are my bottom ten that I want to eliminate. And, and, then, and, and then, we'll yeah, we'll hit the ground running because all we have to say at the beginning of the, or at whatever place it is on the agenda yes. is, well, staff yes. can tell us, yes. you know, 15 of you wanted to eliminate map number seven. And I don't even know what map number seven is, so that's just an, a hypothetical. And, you know, 12 of you wanted to eliminate map number. You know, unfortunately, we're missing three members tonight as well. So we're going to have to um, make sure we communicate. Um, and one member's pretty far away. Uh, pardon? Getting an, sending an email to member camp, member. Oh, if we sent email to staff about what our bottom, the bottom ten that we would like to see eliminated. I don't see a Brownick violation, but I'll, I'll let our attorney speak. That's fine. A unidirectional communication just with staff, and staff will not share that information prior to the, the publication of the agenda and your discussion next week. As long as you don't go discuss which ones you're doing, like I said before, that's okay. Okay. No will and no spoke, no cereal. No cornflakes. Um, <laughs> I'm a comedian, can't I tell you. Um, Does staff need Does our member Perry want to speak? I do. My goodness. Does staff need our, um, you know, the eliminated maps by a certain date so that that could be agendized? Yes. Uh, I think, uh, well. Before Thursday, right? <laughs> there's a couple of, of just sequential. I, so you've been asked to modify the matrix to help and support making your decisions about which the bottom ten are going to be. So we'll need to do that and provide that back to you. Um, and then um, we'll do that, I think. Well, first I want to go over exactly what, we, what we're going to add so that we know that we're clear on what we're going to add to the matrix. And then after that, uh, then once you've had the matrix and the themes from Scott, then you can make your decision and you can provide it back to us. And I think if we get it by Monday morning, it's probably fine for us to be able to tally that and present it back on Monday night. Um, as to, you know, some, at least some analysis. So you don't need it before we do the, the normal agenda meeting because it, it doesn't matter what it just says a placeholder on the agenda, right? Right. And so uh, if, I, if I foresee this correctly, then at some point uh, on the agenda next meeting after we, you know, take care of the minutes and all that stuff, um, you will say this is what the tally turned out. Yeah. Um, and you don't even have to necessarily say names or whatever. It's just, you know, 12 people wanted to eliminate this, 8 wanted to eliminate that, et cetera, et cetera. These are kind of how they fell out. Is that, yes. Yes. Is that something you think you could do? Yes. Member Hans. Uh, I guess with the, uh, so it's easier for you, maybe there's a, a matrix or something you can send us, just a document that says the map number, and probably you can de-identify uh, the data, but maybe uh, allow a place for people to make a comment about why they eliminated it. 
so that as we go through this process, we understand why certain maps may be eliminated, and we can just send that spreadsheet back to you or something, or whatever is the easiest for staff to be able to crunch and compute. Yeah, we can do that. Now, for, for clarification for everybody, and maybe everybody's clear except for me, I think we've agreed that we're going to give you the top ten we want to eliminate. Are we then also going to give you the top ten we want to keep, or we just we'll continue? No, we're continuing to work from the bottom up. So the next time it'll be the next ten or whatever, right? That that was, yeah, okay. got it. Okay, okay. So, so if we have a top ten you want to eliminate, and right. one person wants to eliminate one that nobody else wants to eliminate, well, it won't. It'll no, it probably will get eliminated. If I only don't one person, how this is going to work? Well. Yeah, I No, if only one person wants to eliminate it. Oh, if only one person wants to go you're right. What the way I saw it working was it would be a majority of yeah, if only one per if if fourteen people didn't want to eliminate a map and one person did, I would assume it would not get eliminated. I mean but at that point in time we could take a eliminated one person felt strongly it should not be eliminated. I think we take a vote. I think that's when it starts to get down to a motion. Don't you think? That could be wrong. Next week but we could talk. That person would have to convince uh, um, eight other members or seven other members that that which should not be eliminated. And and uh, you know what? I I fully anticipate that may happen. Some some of us, some of the members here are going to be articulate enough to make a good strong argument that 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 you guys want to eliminate, it, but you missed something, or there's a reason that you you're not seeing why this one shouldn't be eliminated. I think that's when it's going to start getting down to taking a motion. And back to the discussion of when they're eliminated in their, in, in the form that they're submitted in. Right, right. So we're back to that discussion. So if we're eliminating them in the form they were submitted in with no modifications and the recommendations that we make for the ones that we want, can be recommended with some modification. Right. Yeah, I guess I thought the eliminating would be easier. When it comes down to picking the ones we want, there's going to be, as Michelle had said earlier, there are going to be times where we're going to say we like this map, but it needs some changes mm -hmm. to survive the cut. And, Chair, do you think we can achieve this in three meetings? I, I not only think we can, we are going to. Okay. I only think we can, we're going to. I, I agree. Um, yeah, yes, we do need direction so that uh, we're clear because, you know, on the time frame that we're talking about, we want to make sure that you get the matrix that you need to support your decision-making process and be clear um, on that. Well, the so number I one thing I heard I from cap, the – I can recap what I've heard. Yeah, I'm just going to say you can – I was going to try to recap it. You can inclusive. do it. So we're going to remove the population stability column. We're going to add ESAC to the um, communities of interest as well as College Greens and review and make sure that we haven't missed any other um, public statements that were made to the committee that are not included in that. Um, that in the continuity and integrity, we will make some notation as to whether or not that is um, because of Valley View Acres or because of other reasons, um, that it's non-contiguous so that that's discernible somehow in the in the chart. And 
the um, the sort of the the one that I think it, that I heard, but is would be very difficult, um, and we'd have to talk about this in some detail. Is how to prioritize communities of color in a matrix in any way? There was a request, I think, from Member Hansen about that. Um, we would need to understand how to do that, other than by those areas that were you know communicated as communities of interest to us already and are already included in the in the matrix. So if that needs to be done, then we need to talk about it. <laughs> we need to flesh that out a little bit. Because I I think they're all of equal priority. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that you, I mean, you're clearly not going to, we're not going to prioritize one against the other without question. I think I think the idea of, of, of community of interest, of color, is the priority. Not which ones they are. Yeah, that was my intent. Uh, I think Member Hanson's as well was just that, relative to neighborhoods, color communities of color are considered higher of higher priority and equal to each other. And I realize that that may create some conflicts. And I would also like information on what exactly how that breaks down because there are some neighborhoods where I think you can go one way or the other, and I'm not clear on what that is. Well, there's kind of, I mean, we could look at the individual neighborhoods and say what the racial composition of a neighborhood is, but um, but we you know, we can also look at the census data to see, you know, what the distribution is by census geographies, but without sort of community testimony, the definition of the geographic extent of a community of color, like for example, a community that came forward and presented, or communities that have come forward are the Asian community today has right. identified some areas which we can include. The African American community has um, come forward and identified some specific neighborhoods. Latino has come forward, but to go through in any other way to systematically try to identify those I think would be problematic. What I was thinking was the way that Scott talked about it, where we understand the neighborhoods that the communities have self-identified and to see where the maps either are consistent with that or are not, and that is how you um, would do the analysis, because I thought that was helpful to overlay, like, the Latino community of interest map over the proposals. So you see where there's uh, mostly a match, where it's substantive, where it's non-substantive, and that was part of the discussion. I thought that was really helpful in figuring out what was meaningful um, in, in, in sorting this out. So that, that was what I intended when I talked about it earlier. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead, Shaw. Thank you. Um, th briefly, the, um, I think that both of those comments are, are, are well taken and, and um, will be absolutely be part of the discussion. I think what staff is saying is that it's difficult to quantitatively put that onto a matrix. Um, but I, I think through the process, and I think we should have some confidence in the process and the discourse that we'll have at our next meeting, is that I may, for example, I may eliminate or put ten maps on my elimination list because they all bifurcate uh, uh, the Latino community or the LGBT community or the Asian community. And if there's um, 
maps that are on some other members, your lists, that um, are in direct contrast to, to something that I think, I'll, I'll defend that map. And that's how some of these qualitative themes and our priorities will come out. I think that discussion will, will be very, very helpful. So I, I just ask, have some confidence in the process and that we're all going to be here and present and involved and, uh, in, in these issues if, if they're not. Uh, being heard, you will make them heard, and, and we'll make them heard. Okay. Are you, if staff starting, if I'm going to, oh, Martin. Uh, just Martin. Uh, a comment and a question. Uh, my comment is I think we're asking staff to do too much here, uh, too many, too many things at once. And <laughs> staff agrees with you, at least one of them. Okay. And the, my question is, whatever it is you're able to put together, would you be able to do that before we submitted our bottom 10? I think based on what I've heard that we'll be able to provide this by Thursday afternoon, Friday, in the publication of the documents for next week um, normally. What we'll do certainly as much as we can, and uh, hopefully it will be everything. And, and the fact of the matter is, after you do as much as you can, this committee is going to have to take it from there. It may not be perfect what we get back, or it may not be exactly what we think they should have done, but they're going to do the best that they know how, and then we're going to have to start actually making some decisions, as, as difficult as it may be. Because I promised Sandra Fry Lucas that we're going to, as well as the, as well as the city council, <laughs> the people who charged us with doing this. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Just, no, it's quite all right. I just thought of one more thing. Would it be possible, because I know someone mentioned something about perhaps it was you, uh, about putting our reasons for submitting the bottom ten. I was just wondering if we might be able to not do that at this time. And Actually, only... I, I wasn't planning to do that. Oh, I was okay. planning to say these, these are the ten I want to eliminate and have everybody. I thought everybody's going to say that, and when it, came, when it comes to discussion, it's up to us to say why, you know. I mean, if if... if Again, it's pretty easy when 15 people say eliminate that one. We don't have to have much of discussion. It's when you get down to the seven versus eight or seven versus six or however many members we got now. I've forgotten. Fourteen. Seven versus whatever it is. Um, that's where the discussion is going to have to be. I, I don't expect them to collect, you know, a, a narrative from me saying why I eliminated map number. I keep picking on seven. I'll pick on nine this time. Why I landed map number nine. Is that, was everybody, I mean, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, Scott, please. Um, I had a question regarding the LGBT community. Uh, you may recall this body recognized the LGBT community as a community of interest. Or at least we recommend to the city council that they do so. Correct. Yes. But did not identify a geography. That's For right. the purpose of the matrix, therefore, staff had uh, included LGBT community of interest as coincident with the central city. And that is uh, essentially the Rainbow Chamber of Commerce map did identify Central City as the core area of that community of interest. But there was other testimony from um, the Equality California that was broader. So I think um, what we want to do is be a full service here and want to make sure that we're on the same page. So perhaps the committee could give us some direction on that. Well, is I my recollection of the the discussion and the and the motion to ask council to rec 
to recognize the LGBT community as a community of interest was that we, I think it was specifically stated that there wasn't a particular geographical area because it was hard. Now you're saying no, but I remember we specifically talked about the fact that the LGBT community was all was all over the city. Well, the the data that we got from the LGBT community was in addition to the Rainbow Chamber, there was a map from Equality California that was a data-driven map similar to the um, Latino community of interest map that showed geographic concentration. And I think that the map was very robust and that it, we didn't say that there was no geographic concentration. We said that we didn't want to tell the staff where the geographic concentration was. But there is no such thing as a citywide community of interest. Community of interest means that there's a geographically concentrated um, group that has a common interest, a common economic interest, common social interest. I mean, it's, it has to be geographically concentrated. There is no such thing as a community of interest that is citywide. There just isn't. We specifically did not But we did not say that there was a citywide community of interest. I think what we said was that the staff should use the data that was presented that to them to evaluate um, the communities of interest. Um, and I think this is where we got into trouble because the matrix took MAP20 as the Latino community of interest, but the African-American community came here, presented data on where they believed they had a community of interest. That wasn't applied in the same way. The LGBT community was not applied in the same way, nor was now we have the a API community, and hopefully we apply that in the same way. So I'm trying to do apples to apples. I, um, I, don't, I don't agree that it wasn't applied in the same way. And even the comment that I, that I made to, to, to May Tom, or to May, May Lee, Lee. If you, the, the Asian community is weaved in and throughout Sacramento, so is the, the um, LGBT community, so is the African American community, so is the Hispanic community. So I don't know how you... Um, but there are geographic concentrations, and that's the point. The Latino community came with a density map that was red and green and showed us where their densities were. Other communities have come to pre present both anecdotal and data on where they have geographic concentrations. And, and I, I think that's what uh, my goal is, is that we treat the communities of interest. Similarly, when they prevent, presented credible anecdotal or um, data to show where they have a geographic concentration of a community of interest. And I think the African-American community did that really well. The Latino community did that well. The LGBT. And now we have more information on the API community that we compare with census data or, or whatever. But I do think we have enough information for the staff to be able to tell us where there is a geographically concentrated community of interest for those groups. So I, that would mean that um, as far as the African-American community is concerned, that we're saying that the majority of uh, Meadowview is African-American, and that's not true. What the or that the majority of Del Paso Heights is, is <laughs> yeah, African, or the yeah. majority not, of Oak Park is, is not that the majority is, but that's where a geographic concentration exists. So if you look at the city, there are clear geographic concentrations for these particular communities. The Latino community, whose map we've um, 
looked at tonight on the slides, does a good job showing where they have over 35% Latino population. That doesn't mean it's over 50%. It may well be in some of those dark red areas, but not all of those areas are over 50%, and that's not what a community of interest is. It's where that minority community, that, that particularly self-identified, geographically concentrated area is sufficient that should not be divided and their vote should not be diluted by being divided. And that's, that's what we're talking about. So, so staff can, you know, I mean, there's a couple of different approaches that staff can take. Staff doesn't want to define the community of interest. I mean, the staff. I'll say. <laughs> um, we want, we want, you know, and in those cases where the Latino community of interest was defined by through submission of, of through the plan tool, the African American community was defined uh, through the neighborhoods that they identified as traditionally um, African American. So what we would like is either, you know, we can. It's easy for us to take this map or other maps and say. This is the community of interest, but what we don't have is clarity on what that is. So we don't want to take multiple geographies and mesh them in and come up with a community of interest that defines the LGBT community because we'll likely get it wrong. We want the LGBT community to tell us what that geographic extent is clearly, and then we will apply the, to the criteria. My point is that they have done that. We have several maps, and I think the staff can analyze those maps in addition to the maps that were brought forward by the African American Leadership Coalition and the anecdotal testimony should be synthesized, analyzed, compiled so that we have a nexus of information that shows where these communities have self-identified. And that's exactly what a community of interest is. Um, and we've said all along that anecdotal information is sufficient, but because we haven't taken the anecdotal information in particular, um, maybe about Meadowview or these other places, I think we've done them a disservice, and we need to incorporate it into the matrix to the extent we can um, in order to do justice to those people that have come to testify and the data that we've received as a committee. But the information in Meadowview is not anecdotal. It's getting late. Um, there's some, there are some solid numbers that represent who is there. Exactly. Oh, okay. I'm, so I'm agreeing with that. They're both. Anecdotal yeah. and facts that I think are undermined by the matrix and the way it's presented. Meadowview oh, alone does not make the African American community, and simply by keeping Meadowview whole, that doesn't mean that we have done justice to the African American community, because there are geographic concentrations in South Sacramento that go beyond Meadowview but are geographically connected and are contiguous and concentrated so that we can keep them together without diluting their vote. And that's what I'm, I guess that's. Member Pluckerbaum. Maria, am I hearing you say that you have um, clarity on all the communities of interest with, with the exception of the LGBT community? Or do you need uh, clarity with respect to where all the communities of interest are concentrated? Yes, I think we have, I mean, unless we hear differently, we have, you know, we, what we think are clear um, identified areas for, that have been expressed through public testimony and other um, testimony, and we're going to include a few more. Um, but the LGBT community, we sort of have, we have three different maps and that don't coincide exactly with each other. 
and we can you know take all of them and take the geographic sum of all of those and say that's what it that's what it is and then try to come put it on the matrix in a way that is usable um, or you know or ask the LGBT community to say this is what we're talking about when we you know when we take all these three together this is the really the part that we're looking at and to make that decision do you need a motion from us or does is direction sufficient I think direction is sufficient Thank you. Um, we have a couple speakers on. Well, first of all, do we have any further comments by committee members? Okay. We have a couple uh, speakers. I have one, Chair, yes. Mr. Chair. Just, Mr. Mott. Um, wouldn't it be helpful if we knew literally what we agreed to regarding the LBGT community? Literally, what wasn't there a motion and didn't we vote on it last meeting? And so wouldn't that inform this discussion? I, I thought I was clear on what we agreed to. Um, Okay, so so then in that case, then I'm confused about what we're talking about now. <laughs> I, at least I thought it was clear what I vote, voted for. Let me let me Go try Scott. to summarize what I believe the, is at issue here. The committee's direction was to com consider the LGBT as a community of interest and forward that onto the council. As staff tries to implement that direction, we are looking at what are the geographic boundaries. There was anecdotal evidence from Equality California which showed the central city and much broader, went all the way out to East Sac, Curtis Park, um, Land Park. It was a very broad area. Then we had uh, a, a differing set of uh, recommendations from the Rainbow Chamber of Commerce which identified within that area the core being the central city. So we had uh, essentially the same, the LGBT community with two different uh, ways we could go. The committee did not provide clarity, so staff is sort of saying, well, what should we do? Well, it, that's sort of the problem that you have when you have various folks speaking for different interest groups within that same group. I mean, you could apply that same um, logic, if you will, to either the African American, Hispanic, um, uh, API community that we talked about today. We had one particular capital who, who we all know and respect. It's done great work in the city. Come and say, you know, this is the community of interest. Um, but we didn't have another competing API um, interest group, if, you, if that's the right word, say, no, it's here. Um, I, I guess I was not, I, I thought I was pretty clear when, uh, I felt like I was clear what I was voting for when we, um, and I know um, Fry Lucas heard the same thing I heard, that we weren't setting a geographic boundary that night. I, I, I mean, I'd go back and listen to the tape, but that's, that's, it's in the minutes. That's specifically what I heard. If, Scott, if you're saying that we shouldn't have done that or we did a disservice by doing that, I, I guess I would apologize, but I wasn't aware that I'd done anything uh, inappropriate or a disservice. And so in some sense, um, I, I get what, you, what you're saying is, so, which, so what do you want us to pick? Let, let me, let, if I may uh, clarify, um, the committee made its recommendation, its motion, and we stand by that. What 
staff is, the conundrum is, if we had to choose a single metric for measuring is the LGBT community of interest uh, uh, integrated into any of these MAP proposals, it makes it difficult without direction from the committee. What we could do, absent further different, absent further direction, is saying there are two metrics. One is using the Equality California map, and we'll measure that. And the other is using the Rainbow Chamber map, and we'll measure that. So we'll essentially provide both data points. Sounds like that's satisfactory for now. Mr. Chair. Yes, Mr. Blackbaum. An alternative would be, and I know it's late, if the committee desires it, I have both maps here, I'd be happy to go to the podium. We could look at the maps and make a decision now as to how to proceed. Yeah. I, I think the staff's proposal is sufficient. They're essentially overlapping for the most part, other than the particular boundaries of the center of city. So I don't think that they're going to end up being very different. Again, I think that our duty is to synthesize the evidence that's presented by the public and not disaggregate it. So if we synthesize the data from the African-American community, we're going to know that it's not just Meadowview. It's, it, it's beyond Meadowview when we're looking at a particular community of interest. And it's our duty to take all these different public comments, if they're from the same community, try to understand the meta point, the big point. And that's, again, I think what I'm saying is that these communities of interest have come to us, given testimony from various perspectives, and we have a duty to synthesize those and come up with some uh, analysis. And I believe the staff is fully competent to do that without any direction from us, unless there is conflicting information that would confound their analysis. Okay. I'm going to ask the speak someone. Okay. We have two speakers, um, and I think, which one was first? I'm sure. I think we had, um, is this um, Nick? Is it Advis? Advis? Advis. And then after that will be uh, John Shields. Is it Shields? Yeah, good evening, Mr. Chair, members of the Advisory Committee. Uh, my name is Nick Abdus here on behalf of the Valley View Acres Community Association. just want to say thank you for the discussion this evening. Um, I appreciate the comments by um, uh, Committee Member Hansen on the contiguity issue. We feel that that um, doesn't really play a role in the criteria as far as Valley View Acres should be evaluated. So I'll keep my, my comments short just say thank you for that and look forward to next week's meeting. Thank you. Mr. Shields? If I'm not pronouncing that correct, correct me. Sean Shields, uh, President of the River Oaks Community Association. Mr. Chairman, members, uh, I apologize for not being here earlier because I want to define the River Oaks community and explain why it's important to keep it as an integral group. Uh, I've been, I'm also chair of the uh, Sacramento Area Flood Control Agency, and I have been focusing on assessments and lobbying until very recently. I didn't have an opportunity to get here. Uh, <clears throat> River Oaks is defined by IAE, I-5, and Garden Highway. It's a triangle. Uh, the city has recognized that. Uh, we have uh, monument signs there now. 
Willowbrook's is part of that, but we don't consider ourselves as living in Willowbrook, and I don't hear anybody talk about Willowbrook. It's the River Oaks community. Uh, we're a very active community. We meet with our council person once a quarter. We interact very heavily with the city, and there's a lot of integration. If I saw some of these maps uh, contemplated separating that community. There are only two ways into that community. You either come in on Garden Highway or you come in on El Camino, West El Camino. That's the only way to get in. And we need to stay as an integrated community so we can go to one person to represent us. We have a lot of issues, and development fees get involved. Uh, we have many of the same issues they have up in North Natomas. If possible, we'd like to stay associated with North Natomas. We're a young community. Most of our residents have been living there for less than 10 years. Our issues are the same as the North Natomas issues. There are memorandums of understanding between Caltrans and the city that span both North Natomas and River Oaks. So first and foremost, we need to stay as an integrated community. Secondarily, if at all possible, we'd like to continue to be associated with North Natomas. Thank you for your time and attention. Any questions? Yes. yes. Yes, sir. So the area you're talking about, it's Garden Highway up to the Triangle? Yes. So it's all that business area, the yes. business, the Metro Plaza, the Metro Center where the businesses yes. are? Yes, that's all considered River Oaks. And you're, and you're talking about specifically, though, west of I-5, where and then right. Garden Highway, and then where West El Camino cuts through on the north end, all the way out yeah, to I-80. Yeah, it cuts across the triangle about halfway up. West El Camino cuts across that triangle about halfway up. And what, how far down Garden Highway before you get to the county, before it becomes county and not? Uh, it, it's, River Oaks is all in the city. It, okay. I think it's on the other side of I-80. Okay. Oh, there's part of River Oaks neighborhood on the other side of? on the No, River Oaks is oh, only on between I-80, I-5, and, and in that triangle. Thank you. Got it. I know the neighborhood that yeah. my law office used to be right there off of Garden Highway, Gateway Oaks. Yep. Any other questions? I'm hoping we can get this uh, graphic up on the screen here. So, uh, John, perhaps you could help us here. Uh, this neighborhood's map shows the Willow Creek area, yes. which is uh, essentially Garden Highway, I-80, and the main drainage canal. Right. And I understood from your testimony that the River Oaks area is Willow Creek and then some. Yes, correct. So it's on this map, could you show what's right. added? It's all the area between I-5, I-80, and Garden Highway. We're a very active community. We have a lot of participation from all aspects, from all areas in our community. You're saying you want to remain contiguous. That's correct. But you're not necessarily saying you want to remain in District 1, or not since well, District 1. Well, we prefer very strongly to be in District 1 because we have the same issues, and we have issues with development fees that 
cross boundaries. And, you, and you're very much aware that the population of District 1 has I to be cut substantially. I am very much aware of the problem. Okay. So that's why I say, first and foremost, we want it to be Contiguous. Continue to be represented community. by one, That's one, one elected official. Number two, if, all, if at all possible, we want to be part of District 1 because we have many issues, including memorandum of understanding between the city and Caltrans that affect us, all of us. And development fees have been spread. But those, mem are those, those memorandums aren't voided by the fact that you're in another council district, are they? Pardon me? Those memorandums aren't affected by the fact that you may be in one no, council district. No, they're not. It's just easier to have one person to represent both. Oh, got that. Yeah. Got that. Loud and clear. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very any, much. Any other questions for the speaker? Hearing none. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Mom. <laughs> it's been moved. It's been moved and seconded to adjourn. With uh, yeah, are there are comments by? Um, but are there comments? That was on the agenda. There are comments by um, committee members, further comments by committee members. Okay. It looks like we're adjourned. Thank you.